Hey, this is Phil Nobile Jr. from Fangoria Magazine. You're listening to Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. podcast where we're dead serious about horror movies. We have a bi-weekly show that's released every other Friday and this is episode 163. It is an unholy hybrid, a blend of our famous Frankensteinian episodes mixed with a themed episode for Dr. Shock's theme this time. He asked us to bring a for your consideration 2018 type of banquet for you horror diners. I don't know where the food analogy came from, you guys, but um, anyways, <laughs> pretty dumb. <laughs> Joe but, Bob Briggs. Yeah, maybe, maybe it was. Maybe it was. Anyways, this episode's sponsored by our Movie Podcast Network patrons and Shudder, the Netflix for horror, where you could stream genre flicks and horror, sci-fi, crime, and mystery, and more. You could try Shudder free for 30 days. Just go to Shudder.com, S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com slash podcast, and use the promo code HMP. On Horror Movie Podcast, you get in-depth horror movie reviews, especially for new releases with ratings and recommendations to help you decide whether you should buy, rent, or avoid these movies. And I'm your host, Jay of the Dead, podcasting from Salt Lake City. And my co-hosts tonight are... Dave Dr. Shock Becker from just outside Philadelphia, PA. Wolfman Josh of Ma- 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 Monsters! <laughs> <laughs> Bravo, Joshua. You committed to Excellent. that. At first, Very I thought you were going to sneeze, but um, <laughs> that was nice. Okay, so listeners, we are getting underway fast tonight because we have a gigantic show here for you. Um, it's 9.30-ish right now, and I'm getting ready mentally to be up until 2 or 3 in the morning. So I hope people will stick around and listen to the entire show because in addition to a ton of 2018 horror movie reviews, we're going to bring you the Scarecrow 40-something week challenge verdict that we talked about before and some funny listener feedback. We're going to tell you about Dr. Shock's magnificent movie giveaway. And you know we're going to be talking about preparing your top 10 horror movies of 2018 lists. And of course, we're going to be teasing our very next episode, Christmas Horror 2018. But we're going to get to all that stuff. I just want to tell you, stick around for a couple of hours and we will. But right now, Dave, I'm looking at this agenda of somewhere around... 20 films from 2018 that we're going to be discussing tonight. It's like six Mm -hmm. feature reviews and then who knows how many mini reviews. So Dave, will you tell us what you had in mind for this monster episode? Well, initially what I had in mind was that every, uh, you know, each host would bring two titles that haven't really been discussed on the show previously, you know, to listeners to as recommendations. Uh, It has ballooned since then. We've been shooting messages back and forth. We've been watching movies like crazy. And like Jay said, uh, we are still bringing two feature reviews each, but we also have a bunch of mini reviews. And it looks like all of us, uh, there is some crossover where there'll be a couple of us talking about some, you know, specific titles, but we've all brought a good number of titles to the table here. And it might even be over 20 by the time we're said and done, or it'll be right around 20. Mm-hmm. 
by the time uh, we get to the end of this. For all those who missed our previous eight hour podcast, this. uh, (laughs) Yeah, right. This this is this is a a throwback to that. That's right. Well, I love it. This is my favorite kind of stuff here. So uh, let's get into it right now. Let's move into Dr. Shock's feature review of boarding school. I run an exclusive school especially designed for unique young people like yourself. At first, it may take a little adjustment, but you will find the peace and quiet refresh the mind, as well as the spirit. Like they say in the good book, only in the wilderness is man made pure again. I think you'll fit just fine. A boarding school from 2018, written and directed by Boaz Yakin. I, I might be Yakin or Yakin. I might be saying that name incorrectly, and I apologize. This is one that just really just snuck up on me. Um, the IMDb premise is a young boy becomes fascinated with the persona of his dead grandmother, and as a result, is sent to an isolated boarding school for misfits run by a mysterious headmaster and his wife. <laughs> I love this premise. I hadn't now, even I'll heard you, about that's this. About, that's about as basic a premise as you're going to get to this movie. There's so much more behind it. Um, <laughs> it stars Luke Prail as Jacob, uh, the young man who, um, what happened? You know, his, his, um, his mother is, is remarried, um, so he has a stepfather. And they live in an apartment in New York. And uh, Jacob does have certain problems. For one, he gets night terrors. He's always screaming in his sleep. And it's driven his mother to the point of, uh, you know, desperation. Uh, And one day the the stepfather comes home to find Jacob parading around in his recently deceased grandmother's dress. uh, With makeup, dancing to one of her old albums. So they decide, and it's really the stepfather who thinks it's best to send him to this special boarding school. Uh, The the thing is, though, at this boarding school, there are only five other students, um, a few of which have very severe um, issues. One is Tourette's. One is um, uh, uh, mentally backward. Um, So... It's only like six students there, and the uh, it's a two-week boarding school. And basically what they're learning is the Bible. Um, you know, the, the, when they got there, they said they were going to learn uh, the, the headmaster, played by, um, who was it, uh, Will Patton, in a very oh. good, uh, excellent performance by Will Patton. I love that dude. Um, he do- plays Dr. Sherman. He says they're going to learn the basics, math, English, and religion the bible the entire two weeks is spent looking at the bible and you get a an idea from dr sherman that he also is not above inflicting uh punishment on the children sometimes severe so you're kind of wondering what is this what is going on Uh, at the same time um you know jacob is sort of dealing with his fears um and even the first night there, he wakes up because his roommate uh, is a young man who has been badly burned in a fire to the point that Jacob sees him and thinks he's a monster and starts screaming. Um, but the real thing is, like, you, you're thinking through the movie, why are these kids together? What, what is it that brought them together? And it's a very, very gripping mystery as things slow, slowly start to unfold. But then it takes... This movie takes about the darkest turn towards the end of it 
any movie that I've seen in in, in definitely this year and and in, and in other years as well. Where yeah. it eventually goes, once the conclusion, once you find out what's going on, it just hit me like a hammer. Oh. I couldn't I couldn't believe <laughs> where it had where it had where it had taken the movie at that point. And how mm. the character of Jacob develops. And one of the things that's interesting, I did read some reviews about this, and it does get some negative reviews. Some kids were a little critical of the performances, which I thought for the kids was were fairly strong. Um, and there was one critic who took an offense because they, they include several scenes along the way of the grandmother. We learn early on that the grandmother had been uh, in, in Europe during the Holocaust and was hiding in an attic along with another family. And that a Nazi officer had discovered them and was having sex with the daughter of the family every night as payment for keeping their secret of where they were. Well, the grandmother sort of takes things into her own hands. And like through the movie, we're thinking this is sort of a rough woman because, you know, um, Jacob's mother says my mother was an awful, awful person. I'm not upset. She just died. But we see flashbacks of what's going on. And. I saw one reviewer who said it was just sort of um, exploitative and it didn't really tie in, but I thought it tied in brilliantly mm-hmm. with where Jacob ends up at the end of this movie. Well, so for a lot mm-hmm. of the movie, it's a mystery, but at the very end when the horror takes hold and I'll say maybe the last 25, 20 to 25 minutes, it is so strong. I mean, it really, really, I'm still thinking about this movie. Nice. Uh, all these, and I've seen this now, it's been about two, two and a half weeks, I guess, since I've seen this movie, <laughs> and I still can't get it out of my mind. It is going on my watch list right now, Dr. Shock. I would, I would not, you're going to have to hang in there for a little bit, Jay. Like I said, it's a mystery. <laughs> Jacob yeah. sort of dealing with his, with the, with these other kids, but it's a, it's a gripping mystery. It really is. And I'm going to give this one a nine out of 10. Wow. Um, I did see it online. I know it's streaming online. Um, I can't remember if I saw it on Netflix or if I saw it streaming. It was free for Amazon Prime. Uh, mm. One of those two. But it is available online. And if you can get a hold of this one, I definitely recommend checking it out. Again, that's uh, boarding school. Quick question. So yeah, when I'm just curious about this. When you were talking about people taking offense, I had wondered... And maybe you can't get into this because of spoilers, so just tell me if you can't. But I had wondered if, you know, if this was, I guess, trying to cast someone who was, you know, had a transgender, perhaps. Like, the fact that he's dressing like a woman, like, you know, I wondered if they were exploitative or, I guess, insensitive in um, to... It didn't come across that way to me because of the way they played the character. Mm-hmm. It's a very strong character, and I think it gets uh, the character uh, shows strength as it goes along. But it definitely is a lifestyle choice yeah. that this uh, this this young man makes, uh, and they do show it, you know, a, a few times throughout the movie. Um, uh, but I I don't think they ever went too far with that. I think that the review that I read had a problem with with the scenes that the flashbacks to the Holocaust. Yeah. Yeah, I see. Because I don't think they had made the connection. And I thought the connection at the end of this movie was as clear as can be as to why they're showing Jacob sort of in tune with this grandmother. Mm-hmm. When you see what that character went through and what that character did to help her friend and what Jacob does in this movie, I think the correlation was handled perfectly. Awesome. Okay. 
So that's called boarding school. This director, Boaz Yakin, he is one of the most varied and bizarre. And I would, I noticed that when you were looking at his uh, filmography. Yeah. What a <laughs> crazy filmography this guy has. His first credit is on the Punisher, the original Punisher movie from 1989 with Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> that's his first writing credit. He goes on to write from dust till dawn to Texas blood money. And then follows that up with directing. Remember the Titans. It's like, what? And then <laughs> he's, yeah, he's all over the place. He really he is. Wrote, he wrote dirty dancing Havana nights. He's the executive producer of hostel one and hostel two. It's like, who is this guy? What is going on in this guy's <laughs> career? He, can't. he wrote the script. He wrote the, uh, now you see me. Yeah. And now you see me and, too. Yeah. And, yeah. And Max, but and, and, safe. and it's funny because this this movie, I think, um, and I don't know, I I you know, looking at some of these other movies, I haven't seen them all. This one could be, thus far, I think his masterpiece because you this, think this is better than Remember the Titans? I mean, I know that's like a Disney oh, remember, family. Film. Remember the Titans is a good movie, no doubt. But mm-hmm. I I this does this definitely affected me more than Remember the Titans? Wow. Did, believe it or not. Wow. Um and 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 definitely a a little more than uh, was that Dirty Dancing Havana Nights. I'm not even sure yeah. I saw dirty, dirty Dancing Havana Nights. Nobody puts baby in a corner, Doc. Again. Well, I don't know. Maybe maybe in, maybe in number two. Maybe in number two, she came out of the corner. All right. I don't know. Right. Okay. All right. Boarding school. Thank you. That sounds good. Nine out of ten. Thanks, Dave. All right. Wolfman Josh, we're ready for your feature review of. What keeps you alive? I never told you about my first wife, did I? Erica. We got married when I was only 19. I mourned her, prayed with her parents, cried at her funeral. And of course, it has to look like an accident. Did Megan not tell you anything about Jenny? No, never. I'll do the same at yours. You must be confused. What Keeps You Alive is a 2018 film written and directed by Colin Minihan, who is a Canadian director, I believe, known for Grave Encounters. It stains the sand red, extraterrestrial. And having seen his new film, What Keeps You Alive, I would not have guessed it was the same person who produced those films. I think this movie is a very different vibe from the others of his that I've seen. Um, It was interesting. It was a very interesting film. I think this is a movie that deals with the idea that you never really can know another person. Uh, It takes place in a beautiful, idyllic mountain lake cabin where a couple who's celebrating their one-year anniversary goes to spend a a long weekend and you know they get there and they're sitting by the fire enjoying a glass of wine playing the acoustic guitar going out rowing on the lake and what starts out as kind of this beautiful time um culminates in a moment where jackie uh one of the characters pushes her wife jules off the edge of a cliff and it's a bit abrupt and shocking. And the rest of the movie is the, are these two characters dealing with the consequences of that action and getting more insight into the backstory of their relationship. 
and it's a survival horror film. It's yes, it's really good in a lot of ways. I mean, I think Jay, I think you would enjoy this a lot. I'm interested in oh, yes, kind of the sexuality politics of this. I don't think there's anything about these characters that required them to be a lesbian couple. And so I guess, I don't know if that's progress that it's just, it's just part of the, you know, it's a, it's a organic part of the story with no commentary whatsoever um, in terms of, uh, Mm -hmm. in terms of how that's handled. Same. Yeah. By the way, I think it's just, we're seeing more and more of that because I've got a film I'm reviewing later, the same exact kind of thing, Josh. Yeah, so I don't know if that's if that's a good thing or not. I I don't I don't have the perspective, I guess, to to make that call. But I, you know, I, I at least as an outsider, it seemed like it was handled respectfully. You're dealing with a psychopath in one of these characters, and so I can see why that might be off putting to some. But you know, I don't. I, I think this is an interesting story about a married couple, regardless of their personal circumstances, and I think. Yeah, that idea that I mentioned earlier, you don't really ever know anyone or do you ever really know anyone, I think is interesting enough to be explored. Now, do you think the movie fails in a lot of the story set up early on, really understanding this couple's relationship and how one of the characters could know so little about their spouse and how... um just the the dynamics of how their relationship works it's a little confusing i think and i it felt like there were like two or three deleted scenes that needed to be reinserted to really make that initial drama work but i will say after that inciting incident happens after uh you know that point of no return when one person gets shoved off the edge of a cliff uh, I thought it was pretty rock and roll to the end. I, I quite enjoyed where it went. I've heard some people complain about the ending. This does have a moment that, you know, we see in a lot of horror movies where you're just screaming, what are you doing? Why are you this right now? Does it make any sense? Their direction. But I think as horror fans were so used to mm-hmm. that type of thing happening, it didn't bother me in the moment at all. But I have seen that element complained about a lot. Um, as I've, you know, kind of looked to see what other people thought of this movie. So if, if that type of, you know, illogical behavior bothers you, that, that will definitely bother you. For me, I felt like you can justify it within the world of these characters. The whole movie takes place in like two or three days. And so although you could argue, well, this character should know that this person's trouble, you're not going to keep dealing with someone who has put you in this kind of circumstance. I think, I think that happens a lot. I think, you know, people, yes. <laughs> there's infidelity in relationships. There's just bad communication and bad relationship dynamics and people, there's abuse and people keep dealing with those people over and over and over again, regardless of those circumstances, you know? So mm-hmm. I don't think it's out of the question that this character of, um, Jules would continue to deal with Jackie even after this terrible incident has occurred. I thought this was a lot of fun. Jay, I think this is right up your alley. Thank you. I, I think this is might be one you'd enjoy a lot. And so in the spirit of 
This is a show about telling people about movies that they might want to see before they make their top 10 lists. Mm-hmm. I'd say, Jay, maybe check maybe check out what keeps you alive. I definitely will. Thank you. I'm so pumped. I was telling, uh, I just want to tell the listeners this before we hit record on this. Uh, I told him like, I'm so excited. There are a lot of films on your lists that you guys are going to be talking about that I haven't gotten to see yet that I, I feel like one of the listeners, I feel like I'm looking forward to hearing the show because I, I can make my list. So I hope people have their pens out right now or your phone or whatever. And you're, making notes on which movies you want to see too. Cause that's really the fun of this kind of episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, for definitely. me, I think I would give what keeps you alive a 7.5. I think it is a rental for most people and you can find it online, you know, for an online rental for like $4 in several places. So this is an IFC midnight film and it's definitely worth checking out. All right, that's what that's called. What keeps you alive? Josh says seven point five out of ten. Calls it a rental. When you started talking about that, Josh, at first I'm thinking, oh, okay, this sounds like Honeymoon from 2014, but then it sounds like it goes in a different direction. But hmm, yeah, nice. Okay, well, thank you for reviewing that. I, I've written both of these movies, Boarding School and What Keeps You Alive. I'm super pumped to check those out. Mm-hmm. They utilize a Winchester rifle, which is fun. You don't see that too often. I've talked about this on the show before. I don't typically love firearms and horror movies. And we talked about this a lot with slashers. They're usually better if someone's got a knife or an ax or, or something like that, that they can wield. And it, it takes a bit of the horror element out of it. I don't know for me, if it's a firearm, but I will say <laughs> a Winchester rifle is used in this film. It's a great effect. I really, for something about the look and feel of that weapon, it's, it's different than like a pump action shotgun for me, you know? So unless, of course, it's like that great 1984 slasher film, The Terminator, right? I knew you were going to say that immediately. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and Maniac. Maniac has a has a rifle mm-hmm. in it, a, a pretty key scene. There's some great there's some great uses of of firearms in horror movies. But for me, my my personal taste, I'd rather take out a zombie with, you know, a baseball bat than a shotgun. <laughs> You right. know. Yeah, I or, get you. Make it a crossbow or whatever, you know. But so for me, that's just a little more exciting. But I, but again, my point here is I like the Winchester. I'd I'd watch a few more horror movies with Winchester rifles. I'm I'm still waiting on someone to make a slasher film where the killing implement is a an edge trimmer or weed whacker. It's been done in <laughs> Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, but I mean, like, that's the the soul, like, that is the killing implement. Just like Mm -hmm. that, that, um, the orange man, how he kills with a bag of oranges, Uh like, the whole time. That's all. That's all I want. I don't want much in life. And maybe he wears a pig mask, like a pig head, and Uh kills with an edge trimmer. Pig-headed landscaping crew. (laughs) That's right. Mm All right, so you guys you guys started strong out of the gate, so I'm going to bring you something strong out of the gate, too. This is, um, I'm super excited to talk about a feature review of The Cured. There's so much chaos after the outbreak. It was two years before we could begin to re-enter the city. We started to hear a rumor of a cure. How long were you infected? Four years. You're having any violent impulses? No. Your sister-in-law has agreed to take you in. Smile, Killian. Are you one of the cured? 
Yeah. Will you be sick again? What happened to Luke? You got separated. You were right to lie. They're all the same and they know the truth. <laughs> okay, this movie here is one I've been trying to see. It seems like the entire year. Like, didn't we? We knew about this way at the beginning of the year, and I just could not mm-hmm. track it down. And so, thank heavens, finally, I'm able to see it. Uh, it's 2018 film from Ireland, and the subgenre would be, I would classify this in the infected zombie type narrative. It was written and directed by David Frayne, and it appears to be his first first feature film, unless you uh, count his TV documentary series. I don't know, Josh, you, you know more about that than I do. But, but anyways, guys... I'll just say this out front. I feel like this film here is the 28 days later of the 2010s decade. It, mm. it, it's like a wow. more, it's like a more socially conscious 28 days later. I mean, they, there's more social commentary in this um, for our time, I guess. It, it stars Ellen Page and Sam Keeley. And I just want to tell you about the opening. So the opening title cards. You know, it's I'm sorry, just, have you said The Cured yet? Yeah. Okay, I didn't hear you mention the name of the title. I apologize. <laughs> no, no, that, that, no problem. Yep, it's called The Cured. And uh, in the opening scene on the, like, it's just a black screen. And then there's this ominous, uh, great soundtrack music. And then it, it starts with title cards. And I'll, I'll, just, I'll, I'll just tell you these as, as the premise here. For years, the maze virus spread across Europe, causing a violent psychosis in the infected. While most of the contingent managed to control the contagion, the virus devastated Ireland. Eventually, amid the chaos, a cure was found. In 75% of cases, treatment was successful. But the cured remembered everything they did while infected. And I'm just going to stop there. I, and I wish they would have stopped there too. They, they do one more title card, but I think that that is a great setup for a horror film. So this is, this is like post, post zombie apocalypse. <laughs> this is, we're coming back from the zombie apocalypse. And now we have to deal with all of these aspects of, because there's a percentage of people who are, are still infected. They are not yet cured. There are the people who were infected, but now they're cured and they're trying to reintegrate back into society. And then there are the people who are very scared and suspicious and bitter um, at the other two groups. And I'll tell you, I think the first thing that stands out to me about this film, Josh, of course, it reminded me a lot of 28 Days Later. Like, Like this maze virus looks a lot like the rage virus, except... Um, when these zombies, these infected zombies actually are a little more communal with each other. So they're kind of like the monsters in I Am Legend in a way as well, which is neat. But Josh, I felt like with this one, it has scares and it, it has suspense and it's, you know, it has some good moments, but I feel like they're actually more focused on the dramatic side of it rather than the horror side. I mean, we get the scares, but, but they almost like show us a horror, horror element really quick. 
And then they, they hurry off of that into the interpersonal struggle between the characters. Did you get a sense of that too when you watched it, Josh? Yeah, but that's every zombie movie. You know, I've always said that I think zombie movies, I, what I love about them is they put the anarchist theory into effect because you get to see what the world is like when law and order is removed and people just have to deal with each other. This one's a little bit different because this film shows us the reinstatement of law and order, which is rare for a zombie film. And I think it's interesting because it gives us so many more unique opportunities that we wouldn't normally have in this kind of movie. Yeah, I'm with you. And in fact, that's kind of the heart and soul of it. My only complaint, and this isn't as much a complaint, but I don't know, it comes down to three main characters, essentially. And there's a lot of back and forth. It's like, um, I'm I'm trying to think, this is going to sound very vague and irritating to people, but it's like um, character A bounces off character B, bounces into C, and then back to B, and then back to A, and then they're just all like, you know, just running into each other, and it's back and forth, back and forth. And and that's a little tiresome, I think, to some extent. I mean, I, I was like, okay, I'm ready for this. Like, okay, who who am I going to align with? You, you know, and, and I feel like what I was saying earlier about the filmmakers, they don't focus as much on the, the, the horror of the zombies. It's more of the social aspect. And I know what you're saying. A lot of zombies, zombie films, I mean, good zombie films – the monsters are the human beings, not the, the zombies themselves, right? Yeah, the best zombie films right. are like that. But I feel like this is even a step removed where it's like that is even farther into the background. Well, but- I think, again, I think that's just an element of where the story is. You know, I heard an interview with the director from the Toronto Film Festival where he talked about what this movie is, is a, it's basically it begins where other zombie movies end Mm -hmm. you know it's about what happens next yes and so the zombie outbreak by and large is already passed and so most of the zombie action we get is told in flashback and so while i would suggest there's plenty of horror in this film i think you're right because because we you know you know uh, chronologically have moved past the zombie apocalypse it just you know, that's just the reality of the structure we've been given, basically. I agree. And I think that's a really good insight, what you just said. But did you get the sense that the um, that the director was almost uh, teasing us with with the horror, like like teasing the horror fan? Sometimes. But, but again, also, I don't think it's teasing the horror fan. I think it's he's using the horror as a reveal of mystery, mysterious plot points. And so he's, he's revealing plot elements to us little by little through the horror. Yeah. Be it the horror in the backstory or the horror that's being unleashed during the course of the film. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess I like what you're saying, Josh. I th- I think the, the best way to communicate it is like if a typical horror scene, like if there's a zombie attack sequence, and it would be like uh, a 15 second thing. I feel like this dude is showing us seven seconds and then he cuts away and I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I want, I wanted to see more of that. Like there were a couple of times I felt that frustration. <laughs> I hear you. But, I, I didn't notice it when I was watching it, but I, but as you describe it, I can definitely see that. Yeah. Yeah. But this is, I mean, this is very good stuff. I, I feel like this film is, is made on, um, 
well, well, for lack of a better word, this sounds like so snooty, but it's made on a higher level. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I don't look at this as like a B grade horror movie or something. I look at this as, you know, something that would be. I yeah. mean, this I is mean, a horror I, cinema. It doesn't words. have the vibe of an art house film, but I think it is that type of. Yes. You know, this is like a film festival quality film, in my in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and there's my my, my <laughs> issue with it is I think it feels like it's a social commentary without, for me at least clear social commentary right you know what i mean yes it feels like a world that's supposed to stand for something else right and because it's set in ireland it like instantly calls to mind the ira because you have kind of some terrorist activity going on and mm-hmm. so i think oh this is like this is supposed to represent the struggles of ireland well it's maybe i don't know enough about ireland but that wasn't clear to me right There's also clear parallels to the way we treat yeah, like people coming out of prison, like ex-convicts or yes. asylum seekers, but without any real commentary about that <laughs> idea. So it's just kind of like, cool. Like, like the director said, this is what happens after the zombie outbreak. And I'm like, like, if that's all it is, that's cool. Like, I, but I, for me, that's a lesser film than if it had something more to say. like, <laughs> I feel like if it were a little if it had that social commentary in it for my personal taste, it would have been a whole lot stronger film and a lot more meaningful. And as it is, it's kind of just another zombie film. You <laughs> well, know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, so, I, I completely agree with the the side of what you're saying where you're like, I, I knew there was commentary there, but I'm not sure what they're tying it to in the real world. That's exactly right. how I felt. I'm like, okay, I know this is profound and deep, but I'm just not, pulling it <laughs> but yeah. but it is good i mean it is anyways i i that's hilarious well, we both because we're into the zombie apocalypse and they're looking for the cure the movies that i thought of because well i think 28 days later is a great comparison in fact one of the main characters names is killian mm-hmm. and i was wondering if that's a reference to killian murphy because sure. where we come from that's not a very common name you know <laughs> right right uh, I bet like, you it is a little yeah, tribute. It very well could be. But for me, the movies this really brought to mind were the girl with all the gifts and Maggie. Like, I feel like if you kind of split the difference between the girl with all the gifts and Maggie, you'd get the cured. And I like the cured actually a little bit better than both of those, mm-hmm. but it shares a lot with both of those as well. And I, I even picked up a little uh, survival of the dead themes in there. Mm. Romero some mm-hmm. some stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, I thought that was uh, pretty cool. I enjoy the way that they evolved zombie rules because I think we're to a place in zombie storytelling where a lot of people are burned out on zombies. People are just not interested in it. There was a, a glut of, you know, just really bad zombie filmmaking that came out and we had a two television zombie series three if you count the short-lived zombie land series maybe more actually because there was the dead set as well a lot of zombies on tv and i think people were just over zombies for a while there but this year we've had this return of the zombie and and what i think have been really fulfilling ways mm-hmm. with this film and ravenous which i'm going to talk about for a second in a minute and cargo and i i think we we were just to a place where anything in that post-apocalyptic setting or a zombie genre, you had to do something special to stand out from being just an episode of the walking dead. 
Yeah. You know, because what, what is different about this than any one of the 100 excellent episodes of the walking dead, you know? And so I think what we see in this is an evolution of the mythology an evolution of the zombie rules. And as a genre fan, I like that if it's done well. And I think this, you, you have the, for me, the fear of going to the warm bodies area where you're just, you're overdoing it. It feels like a movie that's not made by people who know zombie movies who don't really understand zombies. They're just cashing in on zombies. I did not get that feeling with the cured. I felt like this is a loving entry into the zombie genre and a natural organic evolution of mythology. Yes. Yes. Now, um, before I forget, because what you were saying triggered this, what was the name of that film? I know I reviewed it a, a couple of years ago. It's just so many movies we talk about. It's hard to remember. It, it was like the beginnings of a zombie apocalypse. It's like right where it starts. And it was kind of a slight kind of film, but I really did appreciate it. Hmm. Does that, uh, I know, I know. so many, <laughs> there are so many in, in the title. Anyways, if I, uh, it if wasn't, it wasn't, you're not thinking what we become, are you? Oh, maybe, maybe. I think maybe you're right. Dave, if well, you pulled I, that out of the air. Movie. Yes. Yes. Okay. Dave, how did that's exactly what I wanted. Thank you. You're you're just an encyclopedia. Um I've seen that I've I've seen that one as well and I yeah. I enjoyed it as well. Yeah, yeah, so so here here's what you got. Like most zombie movies are in the middle of the story, right in the heart, like twenty eight days later or whatever, like when everything's underway. What we become is like right at the beginnings, and then this is as Josh said, after the apocalypse. And so I think it would be cool to watch like a do like a triple feature where you oh, do yeah. what we become and then pick a good zombie flick for the middle and twenty then, days later. Yeah, twenty eight days later, for example, and then and then the cured. I think that would be really fun. Um Anyways, Dave, I'm so impressed you could pull that out of thin air like that. No, it wasn't too long ago. Yeah, 2015. Yeah, I came out in 2015, but I think it was a 2016 movie. You're right. Yeah, somewhere around there, yes. Yeah. So, but anyways, The Cured, guys, uh, this is, I think, effective. I think it's very smart. It's creepy. It it is suspenseful and scary sometimes. And And it goes some pretty hard places you know, in a good way, in a good horror film kind of way. This is a nine out of 10 for me. And I say, buy it. Uh, what do you say? Wolfman? Mm, good question. Uh, my own, I liked Ellen page in the movie, but I just felt like she, she finally was really started work for me at the end of the film, but I felt like her character was a little cold or kind of dead. A little Juno ish. <laughs> I'm no, just kid. I'm kidding. She didn't have that spark of Juno, you know. I mean, I would have liked that. I you, guess, you wanted you know? more charisma from her. More charisma from her, yes. Yeah. Exactly. And maybe that just is the state of the character. She's lost her husband. She's raising this child on her own. Mm-hmm. But there's some interesting elements of her character at the beginning, where we see her doing. She's a reporter. We see her doing kind of like an interview about the cured, and we we see how her job we, takes some shifts a bit throughout, but we don't really ever get back into that. I think giving her character a bit more to do on that front would have added a lot to the movie yeah. and to her character. Totally. So for me, um, yeah, I would probably give this one an 8.5 and, and I would say probably for most people rent it first, I would buy this though. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. So it's a buy it for you? It's a buy it for me personally, but my recommendation is rent it. Okay. You got it. All right. 8.5. And then you were going to tell us about Ravenous. I've been, man, I've been trying to get to this for so long. So Ravenous, you know, it's kind of similar to what I just said. It's hard because so much has been done on The Walking Dead. It's just like this takes place, you know, according to the Letterboxd uh, synopsis, an isolated rural community. Yep. Okay. (laughs) And that's The Walking Dead. We're just so used to seeing that world in a post-apocalyptic setting. Mm -hmm. So um, this is a few survivors gather together and they hide in the woods while zombies look for them. (laughs) And if you just leave it at that, it just sounds like every other zombie movie. It's just really well done. You know, there are really Mm -hmm. good characters. Uh, My favorite characters killed off pretty early so i was bummed out about that i felt the same way i've seen this one and i know where i know one character in particular that you're talking about i feel mm-hmm. the same way yeah yeah but there were but there are some interesting additional elements going on here that we've never seen before as well with the zombie film the way the mm-hmm. zombies act is different than we've ever than i've ever really seen i can't think of anything else other than maybe the cured where the zombies have um kind of a similar approach, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I was um, thinking and I, and I agree. Yeah. Go ahead, Dave. I was going to say, I agree. I liked, I really liked what they did with the zombies is we're not going to get too deep into it, I guess, but something in a field mm-hmm. that, that sort of draws their attention, which I yes. thought was interesting. And you never really figure out like, first off, where did this thing come from? <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like gargantuan. Um, but what is it about that? That just has the that, that that has the zombies almost like a like a beacon calling to them or something, and then then uh, just you know it, it's very it was a very interesting concept. And this is French Canadian, I believe. Yes, that's right. Yeah, so they're speaking French for the majority of the film. There's a tiny bit of English in it, but not much. Hmm. Um, and you've got this beautiful Canadian countryside, which is of Quebec, which is really beautiful. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's interesting. I would say that one of the cool things about this that I thought was really interesting. Um, well, as we've said, there's zombie behaviors a, a bit different. And one of those things is the vocalization. Like you still have that kind of snarly menacing sound we're used to hearing mm-hmm. from zombies. And these are fast infected zombies yes. as well. But you also hear more human voices coming through than you're used to hearing. They yell and they scream and I will say it made it really unsettling for me. Those moments of, you know, <laughs> if you're, if you're killing a zombie, it's not just like, rah, rah, rah. you know, it's like, ah, ah. like, you know, like it's, <laughs> it's pretty disturbing. It well, is, I, yeah. And I think that's interesting. And again, the cured also deals with this idea of what Kyle Bishop turned me on to, you know, whether this is the living dead or an infected film, what being a zombie really is, is your loss of, what is it, Jason? Agency. You know? <laughs> Agency. That's right. Yes. Like being able to choose who you want to be. And there's a line about that in The Cured where they, you know, this guy's been cured and he's dealing with a lot of anguish. And this doctor turns to him and she says, you get to choose who you want to be now. Mm-hmm. You know, you get, to, you get to have that choice. And I think that is such a fascinating element of these movies, you know. And so, yeah, I think for me, the way that that's used in in ravenous and the cured it just adds a human element to it 
I think what's interesting about this is the idea that, you know, when they're not human, when they're just monsters, we don't feel any guilt about killing the zombie. You know, we even have that scene in the Dawn of the Dead remake where they're just up there for fun, pointing out lookalikes like Burt Reynolds, and then they're shooting them in the head <laughs> as just a way to pass the time, you know? They've lost their humanity. Well, I think just that small thing of adding vocalization, you know, of hearing a human voice when they're chasing after you, of hearing them kind of scream and feel pain when they're injured adds a lot because you're reminded that these aren't just beings without agency. And again, we, we see a bit of that in, in the cured, mm-hmm. these were human beings and they were very recently human beings and yeah. that's much more upsetting. Yeah. It's funny because in zombie films, it almost seems like there's always this transition that has to take place among survivors where they transition from, you know, the horror, the pity, and then the the utter disgust toward yeah. the infected or the walkers or whatever you call them. Yeah, there's, there's actually a great line in Ravenous. I don't remember if you know if you remember this, Dave, but there's an older guy who's just killed his wife and he says, yeah, I hesitated. It's harder when it's your wife. And then he's talking about these two other guys who who were just tracing him and trying to kill him. He's like, Mm -hmm. two nice guys. This one was getting his graduate degree. This guy was kind of a prankster. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I remember that. I remember that. Yep. (laughs) I got the feeling those might have been his sons. Yeah, I thought they were. I thought they might have been as well. Yeah. But yeah, is this this is kind of just a basic zombie film? It's just really well done. There's a lot of tension. There's great characters. And uh, if you're not totally bored, uh, this is the thing. It's like so many of these films would work well. There's another movie I'm going to talk about later that um, is a found footage film. It's like if this was your first zombie movie, mm-hmm. like this is a 10 out of a 10 out of 10. <laughs> but when you've seen so much of it, it's kind of like, well, I've seen this a lot, but yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, I got you. Well, where do you come in on the rating on Ravenous? Um, ravenous for me, I would probably give somewhere in the seven range. Okay. But I really liked it a lot. Okay. Do you tell people to rent it at least, or is this buy? Yeah, definitely. It's a rental. Yeah. I would rent it for sure. What do you say, Dave? I got him around there. I say about a 7.5. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to reiterate what Josh says, I also thought it was, uh, you do really feel the tension. Like you said, when you hear the zombie sort of coming from the way they're from the sounds they used i i want to just reiterate that i agree with that 100 percent um so 7.5 and definitely a rental i know this is uh streaming online awesome okay so that's called ravenous and uh sounds yeah it's on my list too i've been wanting to get to that all year actually okay and josh i think you were going to talk to us a little bit about the return of meta horror in 2018 well you know two films that i watched this week the comparison between them was really glaring. And they deserved comparison for a lot of reasons. Their premises are very similar. Their titles are very similar. At Hellfest from 2018 and Bloodfest from mm. 2018. Yeah. And the general, you know, storyline to both is is the same. Basically, you've got some people who go to a big horror extravaganza of some sort. And then they're met by killers and have to fight for their lives. The difference between them, though, was stark where Hellfest was a straight ahead slasher. Yeah, it used a lot of the tropes we're used to seeing in a slash in slasher films, but it wasn't 
commenting on that in a meta kind of postmodern way. Whereas Bloodfest was 100% a meta experience. And there are a couple other movies that I want to talk about later that also could be very easily grouped into this discussion. Um, from our Screaming Online segment, you might be the killer and ruin me. And even to some degree, Mon 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 Monsters, these are all films that feel like they're made by people who know horror movies. They know the audience knows horror movies and they're commenting on the relationship between audience and horror movie throughout the course of the horror movie. And it's just weird because that was such a big deal because of scream. And then pretty soon they started doing it in every movie. And I know a lot of people are bigger fans of these films than I am, but you have that come up and I know you did last summer and urban legend and things like the skulls where they, it makes sense in Scream why they're quoting movies and and disassembling the structure of you know a film narrative, but it doesn't make any sense in Skulls for him to say, "Oh, was this the scene where I storm out angrily?" Or like, that's not. Why would you say that? It doesn't make any sense within the context of this film. It just became so commonplace in that era to always be commenting with a wink and a nod to the audience that we know the trope this is based on. And we know why this character is going to survive and this one's not. And we saw that through four scream movies and three, I know you did last summer movies and two urban legend movies. And so, um, and then it died because it was annoying and it went away Yeah, and, and, and it worked super well in scream, but it didn't really work in my opinion after that well it's like and, how long can is that funny you know like right you've seen it right, right. yeah and but then you have this re- resurgence i guess it's back in 2018 i mean i think you can definitely say Bloodfest. you might be the killer and ruin me at least those three are straight up callbacks to that type of filmmaking mm-hmm. and you know you know, I'll talk about this more when we get to you might be the killer, but the final girls did this a few years ago mm-hmm. and it found a way to do it in a very fresh way where yeah. it, for one thing, it was just so emotionally effective on the tearjerker drama level that the whole movie worked regardless mm-hmm. of, or almost in spite of kind of the meta comedy horror that was included. <laughs> I still can't believe how effective that film is. Right. I still stand it. It is. But then you have a film like Bloodfest and it's like did I enjoy myself? Yeah, like it wasn't terrible. Like I was I was happy to be there the whole time. And that movie what you have is these fans go to a festival that is about horror movies. And so it's kind of like um what's that new place from the makers of The Void in Utah? Jay, do you know what I'm talking about that new park? Oh, um I do know what you're talking about, but I don't know the name of it. It's like a Neverland Ranch kind of place. <laughs> right. It, basically, it's like a living theater, and you go in there, and everyone is live-action role-playing with you mm-hmm. in a fantasy and pirate world everywhere you go. So it's like Disneyland, except for all the princesses are like talking to you the whole time as though you're a part of the story. Yeah, it's Well, that's what Bloodfest is like. They got, it's, it is a horror festival where they have a zombie land a vampire land a killer clown land a torture porn land and all of these things are there for your entertainment you go in they lock the doors and you spend you know the weekend in this world Mm -hmm. and 
they go to the first big event at a stage and the guy who's running the event played by Owen Edgerton, the director of the film says, Hey, guess what? We're making a horror movie and you guys are all the cast and we're really going to kill you all. So run for your lives. And they all have to try to escape, you know, which is basically like cabin in the woods come to life Mm -hmm. and they have to deal with all of these horror threats. Yeah. you know, and horror tropes. And my biggest complaint with it and all the other postmodern horror movies I saw this year is that it's just like all the same tropes that were identified in scream. Like there are a couple new ones, I guess. Like maybe it's interesting that you're now talking about torture porn when, you know, scream didn't really get into that until like the fourth movie, maybe mm. or whatever, but it's just <laughs> kind of like, eh, like, at least think of some original tropes to riff on here. At least think of some different horror elements that haven't been done to death. You know, if you're going to go down this road, even there's a killer in Bloodfest looks exactly like the killer in Hellfest, which is weird. But one thing, Jay, sorry, I know I'm very getting very uh, sidetracked here. There's one thing, Jay, I know you will appreciate in Bloodfest, <laughs> which is when the horror kicks off, there are at least a dozen pig headed <laughs> horror guys. Yes. With chainsaws. Yes. And oh, they wow. charge the audience. These, these giant dudes with pig heads charge the audience with chainsaws. Oh, they kick off the blood fest <laughs> extravaganza. There's even, I see on the, the cover art, the poster, there's a pig headed horror character. I, I love it. I, I'm, it makes me proud. But I'm not sure that you'd enjoy the rest of it. This is a comedy horror. I think um, Hellfest, if I was going to compare the two, and they don't necessarily need to be compared, but the premises are so similar, and they almost have the same name. It's hard to not compare them. Mm-hmm. Hellfest would be my recommendation of these two films. Um, Hellfest is a modern slasher that kind of feels like an 80s slasher. It's fun. The world it takes place in is a lot of fun. You know, that the actual Hellfest is really cool. And I think although Bloodfest is pulled off pretty well as also, I mean Bloodfest has some interesting elements. Um, it's more goofy on the whole. So uh I would give Hellfest uh seven out of ten. I would call it a rental, and I would give Bloodfest a six out of 10 and call it a low priority rental or a Netflix or a red box type of rental. Okay. I gotcha. Okay. Well, thanks for catching us up on this. I've actually been really curious and I, I bet like many people, I keep getting them mixed up and not realizing there are two different films. Cause like, you know, I would hear Hellfest. And I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah. I was curious about that. And then I'd see Bloodfest, and I'm like, yep, that's the one I was curious about. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, Okay. I, I do really like the cast of Bloodfest. It's got um Seychelle Gabriel who she was in the that Blumhouse uh, magic sci-fi movie Slight, if you remember that, the kind of like street magician movie that mm-hmm. came out last last year. She is awesome. Yeah. It? And it's actually also got Jacob Batalone who is uh from Spider Man Homecoming in it and he's he's pretty funny and then robbie k the lead is um from that once upon a time show that my kids unfortunately watch (laughs) 
quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but it's got T. Donovan in it, which I thought that was fun too. So nice. Yeah. So anyway, they're both okay. Hellfest is not meta horror. Hellfest is just a slasher. Bloodfest is meta horror, but they take place in almost the same world. Wow. Well, well, thanks for parsing that out for us. Now we know. That's why we're doing this episode. Okay, and at this point in episode 163, let's move into our Shudder-sponsored Screaming Online segment. We're super excited that Shudder is sponsoring Horror Movie Podcast. We know we have a lot of listeners out there who are already Shudder subscribers, but we hope that this segment will still be useful to you as we talk about maybe what films are worth your time to watch on Shudder. And for our listeners who are not yet subscribers, hopefully we can incentivize you to take advantage of the special deal we have. It's it's a great deal, and there are no strings attached. If you use our promo code to sign up, you get 30-day free trial instead of the regular seven-day free trial. Shudder, as Jay mentioned at the start of the show, is like the Netflix of horror. They've got the largest, fastest-growing, human-curated selection of movies anywhere that deal with the types of genres we like. You can watch it on your Apple devices, your Android devices, as well as your Xbox and Amazon Fire, Google Chromecast, and Roku. And they're adding new films weekly. Again, these are human curated, so there's always good stuff to watch. Um, recently added was Mandy that we've talked about on the show. That was mm-hmm. one of our main topics of conversation just a couple weeks ago. Yeah. If you enjoyed that review, now Mandy is a very easy to watch, and I would recommend people check it out. This month on Shutter in December is Stephen King month. And they're showing all kinds of amazing Stephen King movies, including Jay, three of your very favorites, Pet Cemetery, <laughs> Cujo, yes. and Salem's Lot. That's exactly right. And one of your very favorites, wow. Misery. Yes. That's true. Yeah. Yes. So if you've if you've listened to our two Stephen King episodes, The Horror of Stephen King, as well as our last year's Winter with Stephen King episode, you'll really enjoy being able to catch up with all of these movies. Or if you haven't gone back and listened to those movies in the archive, what a perfect opportunity to pair these movies and your viewing experience with some nice podcasting content. I can. Yeah. Yeah. The other things I, I noticed uh, com- coming out in December here on Shudder is Dead and Buried, that film from 1981. You remember that one, Dave? We reviewed that back yes. on the weekly I, horror I know. Movie I think podcast. I liked that one more than you did. But I, I still liked it. I mean, it's... Oh, it was good. Yeah. I it, really liked that one. It has one of the most memorable VHS horror covers of all. I, yes. I, I just... That stays with me and always has. I, I agree. And it's directed by Gary Sherman, who's, mm-hmm. did, who's done some really interesting genre work. I know he also, um, in the 70s, he did... that. What was that one set? It was set in under the... Um, oh, in the London Underground... Um, raw, raw meat. Oh, okay. he did the movie yeah. Raw Meat. Um, he did Vice Squad. Wanted that. He's done some good uh, genre movies. Right at the very beginning of my twenty five hundred movie challenge on DVD infatuation, you know, I watched twenty five hundred movies um, <laughs> and reviewed them all. He, I, I, I saw all of uh, like three or four of his films in the first hundred or so. 
Mm-hmm. He was like the first director I really stumbled across. And I really wanted to delve into more of his work. And he's got some good stuff in there for uh, for genre fans, but also horror fans. And Dead Dead and Buried might be the is for me the better of the two. Three films that they have that we've recently reviewed on the show, at least within the last year or so, are Cold Hell, Downrange, and Revenge. Three movies I really enjoyed talking about. All of those actually, we had good discussions. And two series that our listeners have been begging us to catch up with. David from the UK is constantly telling me, you guys have to watch Channel Zero. It's the most original horror show out there right now. Oh, yeah. So this is a great opportunity to catch up with that, as well as we're all original fans of the original Wolf Creek. Mm -hmm. Well, that Wolf Creek series by Greg McLean has been hard to get in the United States. Not anymore. We can, we can watch it right here on shutter. So I'm excited to actually catch up with that as well. Well, and and the last one I wanted to mention mm -hmm. is we, we talked about hell house LLC last year. Yes. We really liked that original film. It's sequel hell house LLC Two: the abandoned house is now streaming on shutter as an exclusive. And I didn't, I haven't seen that yet, but I read somewhere where it takes place in the same building as the first one and it's just people are going back to sort of research what happened interesting <laughs> and if that's the case if that's the case i can't say for sure because i haven't read much more about it but if that's the case that's going to be really cool because that building is really what what made the part of what made that movie so damn creepy yeah yeah and and i noticed uh dave speaking back to gary sherman again you mentioned raw meat from 1972 Actually, yeah. that that film is also coming to Shutter in December, nice. coincidentally. Nice. So maybe they were doing they're doing some Gary Sherman here, and the AKA title on that is Deathline, and so I think yes. it'll be listed as Deathline. And then there are some Christmas horror films as well, which is mm-hmm. perfect for December. And you know, we're we, gonna be talking about two of them on our very next episode. So I'm excited about that. And that's right. And then uh, I guess. The last thing I'll, I'll save it. I'll, I'll come back to it since we'll we'll be talking about it in a moment. But uh, a very Joe Bob Christmas, which um, mm. I'm most excited about for this month. But anyways, cool. there there is uh, we have a feature review here that is uh, streaming on Shutter and that we're excited to talk to people about. And it is called "You Might Be the Killer." "You Might Be the Killer" is a 2018 film. It's directed by Brett Simmons. And Brett was the director of Husk, which we just recently discussed on our Scary Scarecrows episode. (laughs) And so looking into Brett's filmography after we did that episode, I thought, oh, he's got he's got another brand new movie that's out. I want to want to catch up with that. And so at the time, it was only streaming on Hulu. I don't have Hulu. And what do you know? It became a Shutter exclusive this week. So perfect timing. Yes. Catch up with <laughs> you might be the killer. So you might be the killer, as I mentioned previously, is one of those meta comedy horror films that's come out recently. It's part of this new wave, perhaps, of postmodern horror. And it stars Fran Kranz, who most people would recognize from Cabin in the Woods, and also has Allison Hannigan in the role of Chuck. And she actually is kind of removed from the action of the film via the telephone. So it's one of those roles where I thought, Oh, they must've just brought her in for a day, but no, she's, she's throughout the entire movie. Mm -hmm. 
and it's um almost in like a um uh what what's the word i'm looking for like a a counselor a counselor oh. type of role <laughs> in, in, she's instructive and helpful like phone a friend counselor is a really good choice of words here because what we're oh, dealing yeah. with are camp counselors being picked off one by one mm. so sam the character played by fran kranz he has inherited this family this piece of land with a summer camp on it and it's his family's land and they are recent owners of the land though i think it goes back generations and generations and there were other things on this land had happened previously. Let's just leave it at that. Mm -hmm. And he is, I believe in his second year working as camp counselor. Does that sound right to you? Yeah. It's, it's, he's definitely returning for yeah. Yeah. Another year. And, um, he's, he's, uh, kind of in charge of the proceedings. And as the film opens, it, it opens with what feels like one of those, kind of cold opens where they show you the end of the movie and then you come back to figure out how you got there, but that's actually not what it is. Um, but it, it starts with him discovering a body and being freaked out and calling his friend Chuck on the phone and saying, you gotta help me. There's a killer after me. What do I do? And he's calling his friend because, you know, his friend Chuck knows everything about horror movies and it's going to be the only person who can possibly help him survive this situation right. and the movie structure is really weird. It jumps all over the place. I mean, it's, it's flashbacks, flash forwards, flash sideways, just like lost. Right. <laughs> but it, it, it doesn't end the same way. Thankfully. Yes. As lost. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. But um, I don't know. What did you think, Jay? This is not typically your type of film. So I'm curious what your reaction to it was. Yeah. I mean, you people who have been listening to me for very long know that I do not love the comedy horror mix. I like for horror as a genre. I just, that doesn't work for me, but I will say it's an enjoyable film. And what I like most about it is Alison Hannigan's Chuck character, because she's, she's working in this like video type comic book geek store, all things geekiness. Mm -hmm. And it's, and actually when I visited home in West Virginia recently, I went to a store just like that one and it was really fun. And what I loved about it is in this setting, there are a bunch of movie posters hanging up and it's not like your typical ones like you'd expect. Um, they, they have things like the mask maker like hanging up, which is, a, which is a slasher film. Um, and that, that had an AKA title. I'm trying to remember what it was. Maybe Dave knows, but, um, but that, but what's cool about that is she actually like references, um, she'll look at those posters or she'll be reminded or triggered from something in the video store and she'll be, and she'll bring up a convention and help try to counsel our lead character like that. And I think from, from a horror fan perspective, that's, that's pretty fun and entertaining because, you know, you could tell this is made by, you know, someone who's who really appreciates and, and loves the genre. And so to that extent, I think it's cool. I also think it's cool because it's very Jason Voorhees-esque, obviously. I mean, I, there are some other pretty popular slasher conventions that you'll recognize, but I really feel like it's largely Jason Voorhees inspired. Mm -hmm. And yeah. <clears throat> weirdly, and this is very bizarre, like many slashers, this has, this has a this killer wears a mask 
and the the mask is cool and the mask that same mask or a mask like it appears in another film I'm going to be discussing later tonight. So Really? Yeah, it's the weirdest thing. It is so wow. crazy. But anyways. Well, I, I recognize it reminds me of the movie Cub. That's what I thought it was like mm-hmm. reminiscent of. Do you remember that film? Yeah, it's I know. Bel- Belgian horror film. Yes. Uh, from 2014 called Cub with a very similar mask in that one. Yes. Um, I'm curious to hear about your experience with the with the other, the other mask it was one of the things i didn't love about it. i because I, I love the design i think it's really cool i liked it in cub too in cub the the kid is covered with mud and and his hair is all muddy his ears are all muddy his chest is all muddy and the mask just kind of feels organically growing into his face and with this movie I, I was thinking the whole time, I wish that mask went all the re- way around his ears because it was really distracting to me because you have like this kind of cool mask. <laughs> it looks almost like Groot yeah, was from say Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, there's definitely wow. a Groot th- th- but vibe. But then you've got his hair and his ears poking out and it kind of spoils any of the mystery that would have been there for me. And also just, I don't know, it seems less scary, I think. Mm. Well, did that bother you at all, or am I yeah. just nitpicking? All no, I, I see what you're saying, but I do think, I mean, I like the mask, and I think because the killer is so hardcore, yeah, and, and pretty, you know, the killer is very, like, aggressive and violent. Uh, I love when a slasher killer is ferocious, and because there's a ferocity. one over the ears or something like that. All right. You're like, no, I'm I'm still talking about this this ears and hair part. Yeah, I, well, I it bugged it bugged because <laughs> it, 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 it just seemed less scary to me. It kind of took me took me out of it. Yeah, well, and I think the most most important part of what you said of your critique there is that it does you know for the time that we have a little mystery going on, it, it kind of uh, yeah, undercuts that mystery because you can right. you can pretty much tell you know, who yeah. our mystery killer is. So, right. you know, I, yeah, I mean, watching this, here is my experience. It's like, it's fun. It's entertaining. But like, fun is the, the, the best word I can use, but there's no scariness to it. There's just, there's just, okay, this is kind of like a game where I'm identifying all of the various um, references and slasher film tropes and, you know, there's value in that. But, like, you know, if I wanted to sit down and watch a scary slasher f- flick, this wouldn't be it. But if you want to kind right. of celebrate slashers and, you know, just have fun laughing at a slasher tribute, then I think this is right up your alley. I mean, it, I, for me, it's like 6.5 out of 10. And I, I'd say okay. stream it. What do you say, Josh? Yeah, I mean, what I would say is it's not like you're getting a scary movie movie when we talk about how much True. focused on the comedy and the references, but and it's also not scream. I think you're dealing with in terms of the way it deals with the horror. I think it's very much like the final girls, mm-hmm. but right. you're not getting that emotional core that you get with the final girls. It's, and it's not because the performances aren't good. Like I, I feel like we're getting a strong key performance here, but it's just the style of the movie. It's kind of, it doesn't really try for it. It does though do something that I don't think Hellfest did 
which was it gives us a good reason to be doing things this way. You know, Hellfest is Hellfest is fun. And, you know, it, it, it's also just, you know, it could be mostly described as fun. But I think this does have an original element to it that makes more sense to me, I guess, mm-hmm. than the one in Bloodfest. Yeah. Well, I think... I just want to kind of underscore what you said. It's a spoiler and it's a ma- but it's a major plot point. Like most of the movie revolves around it. It's not that mysterious. If you <laughs> look at some of the clues <laughs> that have been given you <laughs> right <from> the outset, <laughs> that that's true. But I, I think you totally nailed a hundred percent when you said it is in the flavor and tone of um, the final girls, but without the heart. I agree. Would you also, I didn't see the Ranger yet. Would you say it's along those lines or not? Uh, no, this is, but I think this is a lot better than the Ranger personally. I mean, okay. the Ranger is interesting. I don't know. I need to think more about the Ranger. Um, <laughs> okay. it, it really messed with me, with me actually, because it does, it is a movie where the horror is played for laughs and that, um, but, it, but it's not, I don't know. It's not doing as much as this movie is. Right. Okay. Well, Uh, that one is more of a commentary as well. That's weird. There's another one. It is kind of commenting on the slasher genre. Yeah. But but this one is going a lot further with it. Like it's a little more on the nose and, and it's not just on the nose, but it's, it's the point of the film. Like the entire structure is based on kind of commenting on the genre. Mm-hmm. I guess for me, that's the biggest weakness would be the Chuck character, the Allison Flanagan character. I wish he could figure out a way. I wish he could figure out a way to go through this experience at the camp without that character. Cause that just felt well, a little too. It's it just, it's okay. Just, you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Tell me if this works. This isn't a hundred percent accurate, but the Chuck character, I did like the video store and the the drawing upon the knowledge and the references. But there's something about the tone of the way that character is written that it feels like um, mystery science theater in between when you go back to Tom Servo and Joel. Like it's not quite that <laughs> silly, but it's like okay, we're back at the, you know, <laughs> do you know what I mean or not? Yeah, I, I get a little sense of that from from yeah. the Chuck character, but. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I would. I'm probably right there with you. I think I'd give this a six point five, and I'd say stream it. Okay, and it's uh, streaming on Shutter. And then you had another one you were going to tell us about from Shutter. You and Dave actually were going to talk about Ruin Me. Yeah, that's the the last of our kind of meta horror films. Is this is this Ruin Me? This one is based on these horror campouts. They that they used to do. Do you remember that was a big thing a couple of years ago? Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Totally. Jay Horror Campout. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was the great horror campout. And you'd go there for the night. And again, it has a little bit and <laughs> it relates a bit to Bloodfest as well. But basically you you put yourself through the situation where you're gonna be um terrified by these professional uh scare folks who would normally maybe work at a haunted house or, you know, a haunted trail, uh, but you're, you're camping out with them and you are subjected to this. This takes it further it, in the real great horror camp out. It was more like blood fest. You entered like a caged off area, like a, a fenced off area 
and you were there to take part in the experience. And with Ruin Me, it is more like what actually happened in the making of the Blair Witch Project, where you're just going out into the woods and this thing is happening to you in in real life. Mm. And so the premise of this film is this character, Alexandra, she tags along on her boyfriend's slasher sleep out. And, you know, his friend who was supposed to go with him bails at the last minute. So she has to take his place. And this film, we should say, is directed by Preston DeFrancis and is written by Preston with Trista A. Bissett. And this young actress um, who plays uh, Alexandra, her name is Marcienne Dwyer. She has to go into the situation with all these other people who kind of wanted to be on the slasher sleep out. She's the only one who's like, yeah, I didn't have any interest in <laughs> attending this event. So of course she's our main character and you have a bunch of horror aficionados surrounding her who kind of know, well, that's why this is happening. That's why that is happening. And again, we're it's filled, it's rife with horror references. This is a lot different than any of the others though, because these characters know that this is supposed to be happening to to them. It's all false, but unfortunately it starts playing with their, their minds, the reality of the situation. And it might, reminds me most of the movie, the game with mm. Michael Douglas. Oh yeah. Um, it's mm. not as elaborate as that is, but it is similar to that film in, in the sense that you're like, okay, well I guess if it was a slasher sleepover, they might pretend to stab somebody and we might think it's real, but is this real? And did they really stab somebody? And so you're kind of constantly, and I think the characters are kind of constantly wondering Wait, is this what we signed up for, or is this actually happening right now? <laughs> right. So I would say this is the least co- comedic of any of the films we've talked about. Um, there are moments of comedy in it, but I think this is pretty, it's intended to play um, very strongly for the majority of it. Certainly mm. the horror aspects. Once the horror starts, that stuff is dead serious. Okay. What do you Agreed. see? And, say, Dave? Well, and the key thing about the main character is she's a recovering drug addict. And the guy she went with is um, the one who saw her through that. Like they sort of right. fell in love in rehab. He was like a, a volunteer at the rehab, I guess, helping her. Uh, and she was going through all of these, uh, this, you know, situation with, uh, with, um, you know, her being addicted to heroin. She OD'd, almost died at one point, which we get some brief flashbacks to at the beginning. But what's interesting is how they sort of tie that condition of hers in as the movie progresses. And you start wondering how much of this is in her mind, how much of this is, there's even a scene late where she's wearing this specific set of clothes. And I'm thinking, wow, is this where it's been going all this time that, you know, with, with, uh, with where she had been earlier mm-hmm. in, uh, in life, or I guess like a few weeks earlier or a month earlier, whatever it was. Um, so it did throw it, it led you down a few more more past to just is it real or is it is it not because of this main character right. and because of her drug addiction and I liked that uh, aspect of it as well. I agree with you. Yeah, I I, yeah. It, I thought it it really worked for me when it was in horror mode, and I thought mm-hmm. it worked a little less for me when it was kind of like an escape room, you know, right meta horror. Right, mode. and I'll and I'll agree with that because it's sort of the same collection of characters. 
you see almost st- a couple stereotypical. Uh, not and, all of them. And the not same all collection of, them, but... of, again, identified horror tropes. Like it's the same stuff over and over and over right, again. Right, know? right. Exactly. Uh, but it did. I thought the movie did get stronger as it went along. And then, you know, the, just the twists and turns, and you're never quite sure when it's done. Uh, I always kind of like that in a movie because especially if it can keep you guessing and to the point that you're in your mind, you've come up with with a half a half dozen possible scenarios of what's really going on. Nice. So, so where do you guys come in on ruin me then? What do you say, Dr. Shock? I'm going to say it's probably um, I'll give it a seven and I'll say it's a rental. You know, it's it's, it's worth seeing. A little rough around the edges, and uh, you know, like like Josh was saying, some of its um, the horror references are are of the the garden variety uh, that we always see. So <laughs> I'd say seven out of ten. Okay, stream it on Shutter. All right, and what do you say, Wolfman? Yeah, for me, I thought this at the beginning. I thought this was going to be the worst of kind of the meta horror films I'd seen, but by the end, I think it was my favorite. Hmm. So I, I it. It seems to have less of a budget to work with than all the other movies that I've talked about, but um, I thought it was—I thought it really works. By the end, the, you know, at, at the beginning, it just the, that live-action role-playing stuff just seemed a little hokey. It seemed like it wasn't going to be kind of going to come together. It seemed like it was we'd heard it all before in these kind of meta movies, but I thought the horror aspects really took off at you know by the midpoint. And especially like at the three quarter point, I thought it was working really good. There's a scene on a beach. I was like, Oh, this is oh, great. Yeah. Very clever. Really, yeah. This Very is really clever. good. So, um, yeah, I thought it was fun. Good, good characters and some good acting from actors I hadn't really seen before. And I thought it worked. So for me, yeah, this is probably also 6.5 and I would say rent it or stream it on shutter. Okay. All right, and that's called Ruin Me. And then uh, there's one that's oddly titled, which is Mon 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 Monsters, right? <laughs> yes. You, you think that's oddly titled? I think that's like the best movie title of all time. <laughs> I, I I don't know what it is. I have this weird uh, quirk in my life where like, uh, like if something is repeated a lot of times, this has been the hardest thing up aspect of parenthood for me. Like Dave, you know, that title, it's a mad, 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 mad world. When, when, right, when yes. somebody says that title, I want to punch something. And so when, <laughs> when something is repeated over and over, I want to freak out. But anyways, go ahead. I'll stop being neurotic. Mm, I love it. I, I think, I think this is also a, it's a very manic movie. I think it's a very fun movie. Uh, it's a pretty dark movie at times. It can be very upsetting at times. I would say overall, though, it has kind of a manic dark comedy vibe throughout. Right. Um, I I think its biggest shortcoming for me were the Mon 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 monsters. Um, oh. I, I think <laughs> I think they are good, and especially considering you know we're in a Taiwanese film, they feel very much like Asian cinema monsters. They're made but, in Taiwan, but made in Taiwan, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah it's like J horror made in Taiwan. And I thought it was. No. I'm, so, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I was going to say, Josh. I thought it was interesting how they were trying to figure out what they were, like yeah. um, the main characters and how they sort of dispelled vampire early on, but yet they just kept giving off these vibes of being yeah. almost vampiric. 
<laughs> right? I mean, I, I guess, but I guess for me, the shortcoming was I think a title this fun, in my opinion, Jay. Is that fun? It needs needs like a Shin Godzilla in it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it needs <laughs> yes, a it needs- giant monster and lots of them. You really you want a, a mon you want a like a real mon 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 monster. Right, yeah. Jay. That's what you're you just you're just like, <laughs> you know, elbowing me with that. Um, so, so the the premise. Tell me if this is accurate. It says a group of teenagers capture a man eating monster. Right. Essentially, you've got a, basically a group of bullies, and the kid that they bully, and they are put into a community service situation together, and which is you would think is not a great fit, but, um. You know, I've seen this happen in real life. I don't know if you guys have had this experience. I have a really good friend who was bullied when he was younger. And then he kind of sprouted and got taller and kind of started hanging around with cooler kids and got into like cool fashion and music. And then he kind of became a bully himself. Like it was kind of like all of a sudden he had power and he he was (laughs) very angry about the way he'd been treated. And then you see that person kind of turns into the bully. You see this in a lot of eighties movies, actually, where like the right. nerd becomes cool. Like can't buy me love or something like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. But this movie has a bit of that. Can't buy me love vibe. It's got this kid who has been the outcast. The movie starts out with them just torturing this poor kid. And they get into a situation where they kind of get him into the, into torturing this monster, basically. And, you know, they, they capture this monster down in the underground when they're doing their community service. And um, and they, they're kind of put themselves in a position where they have to take the monster with them because they they are involved in some hijinks that and there's a there's a security camera around. And because they don't want to leave a body there and be caught doing their hijinks, they decide they're going to take this monster. But immediately, because they're bullies, they start torturing this thing. And the kid who was previously the bullied does to some degree become a bully, not as much as still the other guys, but you know, he, he wants to fit in. He's enjoying fitting in and it's an interesting transformation in his character. I would say. Mm -hmm. Wow. That does sound dark. Now this is uh, something I could not show my 10 year old. Is that or or what do you no, think? No, 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 no. Okay. I wouldn't think so. Okay. No, so I it's pretty so severe so. then. I it, mean, gets, it gets severe at times, and it has to do a lot with, I think, you know, again, we're getting into who are the real monsters in this movie. Right. You know, the ones the ones who are, 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 are you know, living the only way they know how or the ones who are purposefully torturing. <laughs> and, and I think it answers its own question pretty early. <laughs> Was that a Dukes you know? the Hazard reference right there? What's that? <laughs> when you said they live in the only way. The only way. You know what? I guess so. I, I, that, that, that show was uh, pretty big for me. That's just a little bit more than the law will allow. I had a 45 of that of that theme song. Me too. Me too. That used to be my my all-time favorite TV show in the 80s. Um, but, but yeah, but I, but what it, and where you see it is with this the main bully, there's a scene where a teacher... You know, he's there, um, this this main bully had acted out almost to protect the kid he was bullying in class from another bully. Yeah. Um, and he gets called in and this teacher's talking to him. And meanwhile, the friends are like in the in the outside the window and they're sort of like he's playing to them, like like sort of laughing with them. And this teacher who's very much into, I guess, is it like like uh, Buddhism? 
uh, very mm-hmm. sort of spiritual in that way. Um, has always, you know, been sort of a laid back, a far too laid back teacher early on. But here just gets really dark with this character and takes him to a level where you know she's going to face some retribution for what she's doing. And the retribution she faces, I think, for me, was one of the one of the strong, really strong scenes in the movie. And this is a movie with several strong scenes. But that, for me, was one of the strongest um, when when this guy sort of gets his retribution on this teacher. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, there's some there's some intense score here. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some, it, the most disturbing elements do come from torture and it, and it feels like for a while it might even turn into a torture film. Um, right. In a couple of scenes, but, but what you also have happening, which we haven't talked about is there are two of these monsters. And so, although these boys have one monster captive and are torturing it, their other monster is looking for them and it's sibling and coming to exact revenge. And so, that's kind of happening simultaneously. And I thought this was great. I mean, it is very manic. I can't even think of anything to compare the comedy to. It's such a unique form of dark comedy. I would say that the, the energy, if I had to compare it to something is reminding me most of, of a recent film train to Basan would probably be like the closest thing I could compare it to. I could see that. Yeah. But it almost has like a Kung Fu movie energy or it's just like <laughs> over the top and fast and like ah kind of like yeah. in your face and and very mm. like um deliberate movements you know what i mean like right. it's just very strong in the way it's depicted agreed but, uh, i think this is one of the better movies i saw this year to be honest but it's not going to be for everyone and again the monsters were not my thing so that dropped it down kind of a, a lot for me the look and style of the monsters and until you got to the part where you described how manic and wild it is it it sounded a lot like altered edward eduardo sanchez's mm. film but oh. it's not quite it, it, yeah, yeah but i mean i think his i think that movie is pretty wild too actually mm-hmm. yeah okay so it but is this, uh, but this has that the, this does have that just like asian wildness to it that i don't know you just don't see in a, a lot of american movies nice Okay. Well, where do I guess you... maybe like a Sam Raimi or something is what okay. I could compare that to a little bit, but it doesn't feel necessarily like a Sam Raimi movie, but that's the only, it's, it's like a lot of, it's like a lot of Hong Kong sort of movies, really? you yeah, know, where they just have this strong energy to them. And, yeah. and I think I heard Quentin Tarantino say it once that when you watch it in Hong Kong, it doesn't seem as manic as when you watch it anywhere else <laughs> in the world. Well, Hong Kong sounds like a really fun place then. That's right. Yeah. Amazing. Taiwan's not that far away from Hong Kong, so yeah, possibly, yeah. That yeah. could that could very that energy could have extended a little bit. <laughs> so, so Doctor Shock, what do you rate this movie? <laughs> I would, you know what? I would give 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 it um, probably. Uh, I'm going to say a nine. Oh, and I say it. I really think it's worth 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 a rental. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> so stream it on Shutter. Okay. What do you say, Wolfman? What do you rate it? This is not for everyone, but for my, for me, this is like a nine out of 10 and, uh, I would totally buy this, but I'm saying stream it on shutter. Okay. I would buy it as well, but for, I would say definitely stream it because like Josh says, it's not necessarily for everyone. And I don't know if or when it's available. So it's a good, this is a good opportunity to check it out for free and, uh, see if you like it. Okay. Excellent. Thank you. And then. 
you were going to also um, talk about Terrified, weren't you, Josh? Well, I, I wasn't going to go into it with a full post-mortem review. I feel like Dave covered it really well uh, when he covered it, but mm-hmm. I did want to just mention that I saw it and I loved it, and I liked it just as much as Dave. I think Dave gave it a 9 out of 10, and I think I'm right there mm-hmm. with him. Like It's a, a very unique paranormal movie, and it's an Argentine film, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yeah, but we haven't gotten a lot of good Korean horror this last year. What um, the heck? I know. At first, it was kind of like the year of Korean horror happened, and then it kind of dried up. Yeah, for the last year and a half. Dave's going to talk about one later that I'm going to chime in on, but um, but I would say like this reminds me of Korean horror in some way in terms of like like the Wailing or something like this feels that level of uniqueness to mm. me. And I, and I love, and it has that weird tone that you just kind of can't put your finger on where it, it's like, it's not a comedy, but what's happening is at once grounded in reality and yet feels so scary mm. that it's absurd. Right. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. definitely. And, and by the way, just a side note, um, maybe I don't need to make this distinction, but this is terrified on Shutter. It is not the terra. It's not Terrifier with Art the Clown. Those are two Correct. different films. Correct. Okay. Correct. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, personally, Terrifier is not something I could ever recommend anyone spend their time with. That is a really mean spirited film. I know people are gonna like it because it's a hardcore slasher. Um, but this to me is like. Uh, again, no reason to compare these two movies other than their titles are similar, but this is to me the far superior film. Okay. And you say you're saying nine and streaming on shutter. Yes, sir. Okay. I got you. All right. And then finally, I guess the last thing I wanted to just mention real quick is just that, um, I, I know that in, in last, our previous episode, I sound like a, a shill or something, but guys, I've been obsessed with <laughs> dinners of death. Do you know that I have been spending evenings watching that again on Shutter, the Joe Bob Briggs <laughs> Dinners of Death? I I just I don't know what it feels. I really meant what I said when it it feels like a time machine. It just whisks me back to that period in my life um, when I used to watch that stuff, and and it's yeah. powerful. Did you guys have you guys watched any of it yet? Yeah, I thought it was great. I mean, we had just talked about Blood Feast. Um, was it last Thanksgiving? Yeah, last Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And so I heard that he was going to be covering that. And so I wanted to tune in and watch his Blood Feast coverage. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Times. And then um, I haven't sat down for the marathon yet. But. Okay. And uh, yeah, so the marathon last July, um, that's that's available you can you can stream that and and then also the dinners of death and then on the 21st of december um i have a a family party with the in-laws that i'm trying to figure out how to get out of so, <laughs> so i can not that i don't love them all but i'm just saying i i want i like watching this live and i want to be here when it starts and watch the a very joe bob christmas because he's going to do some more oh, drive-in man. classics that night, and right. and that's on December twenty-first on Shutter. And then I was also super pumped that uh, you know he's going to be hosting that weekly double feature 
in 2019 on Shutter. It's going to be every week. So pumped about that. Lots of good stuff. I, I've been very impressed. And I hope our listeners, if you haven't yet, that you'll check out Shutter. It's the Netflix for horror. You can stream everything that we've been talking about in this segment for the past 40 minutes. And uh, to try Shutter out free for 30 days, you go to Shutter.com. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com forward slash podcast and use our promo code HMP. All right, Dave. At this point in episode 163, let's move into Dr. Shock's feature review of Good Manners. Good Manners. Produced in 2017, it came out in the U.S. in uh, July of this year. Just to set it up, uh, it's uh, Clara, a lonely nurse from the outskirts of Sao Paulo, is hired by a mysterious and wealthy woman named Anna to work as a nanny for her unborn child. Uh, the two women develop a strong bond, uh, but one night uh, kind of changes everything. And I think that's a good synopsis. It, it sort of gives you um, a general idea of what the story is. Now, this is also from uh, South America, and this is from uh, Brazil, uh, is where this movie was shot. And you have this—you have this uh, the situation where this woman is pregnant, um, and. She's been sort of cut off from her family. Her family is very wealthy, but she's got enough money to sort of hire this nanny uh, to help, you know, when the baby's born, but help her before the baby is born as well. And what's interesting is, is how the story sort of builds upon itself to reveal the type of movie it is. And I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to let people know, because I think this is pretty much out there. This is almost, this is a werewolf style movie. Um, nice. and oh, wow. it affects the mother in a way who is not a werewolf, but it affects her carrying this werewolf child. But what I liked about this movie, one thing I liked about it, I'll get into more of it, uh, in a minute are the little asides it does when she gives the story about the conception of, um, her child, she had been away. She was engaged to somebody else. She went away, um, and, and hung and went into this bar met up with this guy. This is all handled via comic book style with, with like, um, you know, graphic, graphic novel style art to depict this almost as if you're reading it in a comic book. Um, you know, th this whole encounter with this mysterious man who impregnated her. There are musical asides. Now it doesn't really happen until a certain point in the movie where you get them. And it's not, I've seen it listed as a musical, and I guess technically you could list it. There is some original music in this, and there are scenes that are just musical asides, like when when uh, the nurse is walking through the streets at one point, this this vagrant just breaks out into song and starts singing as if narrating, you know, what's what's going through her mind at that moment, um, which I thought was interesting as well. That it brings a, it's very unique. I love it when movies take this unique approach, and Good Manners definitely does that. Uh, and then where it goes, where you have the nurse caring for the mother and then caring for the child, it is two distinct segments. I'm not going to go into why, but you really get to see, you know, you, you see a, a child dealing with a, a mystery of its past. And a lot of times in these movies, we see 
we don't see what set that up. We don't see why a caregiver is hiding something. Um, you know, we just see they're hiding something and then it's revealed later on. Here, we fully understand what's going on to this point and we're us and Clara, the nurse, are the only ones who understand what's going on at this point. So we, the rest of the world is like, why is she acting this way? Why is she doing this with this child? And, and so forth and so on. So I don't want to say too much more about it. Um, I will say there is CGI in it that I thought was mostly successful. I don't know that it's 100% successful. Uh, and you see a, mo a lot more of it later in the movie. But I would give this a 9.5. Wow. Out of 10. Okay. I really, really was impressed with this movie. It is a mm. longer one. It's two hours and 15 minutes. But I'll tell you what, they don't, I didn't feel that there was anything in here that, that you could cut out. I mean, I thought, it, I thought that because it really did build the characters, the relationships and the situation very well. <laughs> got to ask, does that make this one of the top, three werewolf movies of all time for you i don't know I, I it could there's a chance i'd have to see it again i could put it up there with with you know something like you know an american werewolf in london uh eventually or you know what it was it the howling and and um you know uh all these other uh was a silver bullet I would, I would put this, I personally, I would probably put it up there with those, but I would have to see it again just mm. to make sure that it holds up. Cause I've seen all those other movies countless times. I'd like to see if this one would, would hold up with that. But for right now, yes. And I, it's just because of where they go with the characters and the story. And I just really, I really, and the uniqueness of it, there's a very unique quality that wow. this film has that uh, just really pushed it over the top for me. Yeah. I, you, you have my attention, Dave. I am <laughs> a werewolf. I, I worship I at the altar of yeah. the werewolf and there are not a lot of good werewolf movies. So mm -hmm. I think this is one, I think this is one. I, I think you would definitely enjoy it. Josh Jay might look at the clock a couple times mm -hmm. in the movie, yeah. but, well, but, I think there's, but it's a unique film too, Jay. I mean, just it's, taking a, taking a, aside that, I mean, this is a unique film, and um, it's not I every day. That, no, it's that you not. get I a mean, Brazilian fantasy horror werewolf musical. So exactly, right? exactly, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but no, this movie, I I I loved it. I really did, and I can't wait to watch it again. Nice. Yeah, I was reading about this. People have been tweeting about it on. And so I saw on Twitter and I, I thought of you, Josh, because I'm like, oh, a werewolf film for Josh sounds like because, yeah, it's been getting good reviews and you're giving it 9.5. That's oh, yeah, that's that's saying something right there. Definitely not where I thought it was going based on the title. You're like, and I bet everyone can guess what the monster is. I'm like, well, Lucerfina. I've never heard that <laughs> right. name before. <laughs> no. Interesting. OK. Yeah. And, and that's good manners, right? That's good manners, yes. That's right. That's good manners. Oh, that's good manners. I thought that was Lucifina this whole time. Okay. Oh no, I'm sorry. No, that's good manners. The okay. Lucifina is the next one. I, I'm going to tell it. I'm sorry, I went a little out of out of order there, Josh. No, that's my oh, fault. Okay, so good manners. All right, I'm changing the name on my queue here. Okay. There you go. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, but to get into um the next movie I want to talk about, and it it ties in in a way because. It's another South American horror film, and it's the one Josh had just mentioned, Lucerfina, uh, which I thought is a, 
terrible title until is it, you watch the movie. You isn't know? it Luciferina? Luciferina. Luciferina. I'm sorry. Luciferina. Oh, yes. that's fine. <laughs> Which I thought was, it, it almost sounds comedic in a way to me. You're right. <laughs> um, but it's definitely not that. Um, this is another one from Argentina. You know, Good Manners was from Brazil. <laughs> Terrified and, and Luciferina from Argentina. From, uh, Argentina. Um, this is probably the lesser of the three movies. I think it's definitely the lesser of the three movies uh, for me. Let me just look it up here just to give you a, a quick synopsis of Luciferina. <laughs> and again, this is from IMDb. Uh, Natalia is a 19-year-old novice. Um, what it is is she's um, at a convent. And I think they set it up she's studying to become a nun who reluctantly returns home to say goodbye to her dying father. Well, that's not exactly true. Her mother had died, which is what brought her home. Her father is very ill, but he's not in any way dying. He's just sort of in this catatonic state. Um, she uh, meets up with her sister who, along with her friends, are going to uh, going into the jungle. They're looking for this. Um, uh, they're going for an experience with with a <laughs> trying to think what 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 do you sort of call it? Not a not a like a witch doctor. Um, can't remember like a shaman. I guess it is who has this plant that when you take this plant, uh, when you when you drink, you know, from the elixir of this plant, you. Um, have these flashbacks or, or you it, it it it's been told that it can reveal truths about yourself and what it is 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 natalia and her sister who let me just see what the name of the sister is here clara is the name of her sister they grew up in a very bizarre household and you see that as um once she returns home where the father is is in the attic surrounded by the mother's paintings which are these dark almost evil looking paintings that are just surrounding this guy um, who is almost in a waking coma. Like his eyes are open. He's alert, but he just is not moving. He's not responding to anything. Um, one of the things about this movie, I think the, the first half of this movie is so creepy. It has such amazing, the visuals, the horror that that um, Natalia is experiencing, sort of uh, in in a dream state, and um, you know through flashbacks and whatnot, is really strong. I mean, it had me on the edge with with just just how eerie those sequences were, and they were handled very well um, to the point that you know almost on a level of like. And there's a scene that reminded me of The Ring from 2002 mm. but on that level of eerie that just hangs over this movie for that first half i mean even it doesn't matter what they're doing when the characters go off and you know the college friends and the sister um and she's dating this this guy who's just a real jerk and violent and and there's a there's a real darkness hanging over this movie when they get into the jungle and they have this experience it twists around a little bit it becomes bizarre for a while there it's much more bizarre but then there's a little bit of exposition at about the two-thirds mark and this is the type of movie for me that when you know what's going on even though there's still creepy imagery even though it's still like you have this sort of possession um uh, subplot hanging in the background it becomes less scary because not knowing in this movie 
for me was much more terrifying than when you find out what's actually happening. And it's not hard to piece together what's really going on. I mean, you could sort of figure it out even from the opening scene. I don't know if it was pre-titled or not of sort of what's going on, but you definitely can figure it out as the movie progresses as to what this Natalia character is. Uh, and the final scene is almost soft core. I'll just put it that way oh. um, with what happens. Um, you know, I'm, I don't want to get too much into it, but just, oh. you know, it's, it's almost soft core. Somebody's bringing on the loving is what you're absolutely, saying. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but still it's an, it's an interesting movie. It really is. I just don't think the second half lived up to the promise of the first half. Um, so ultimately I would give Luciferina uh, probably a six out of 10. And I'd say it is worth a rental. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other two movies from South America this year, terrified and good manners, definitely, you know, those are the ones to check out. Um, if you can only watch two, I don't know why you couldn't watch three, but, uh, <laughs> those would be the two I would recommend, um, first. And there's another one that I haven't seen yet called trauma from this year. That's also South, South American and has been getting a little bit of buzz as well, but I haven't seen that one yet. It's just interesting how these things go in waves. Remember how in the early two thousands, mm-hmm. Brazilian cinema was sort of taking off with city of God. And then they had Karen Diru and bus 174 and all these sort of really interesting movies coming out of Brazil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it died. Like you were saying with Korea, Josh, a couple years ago with the whaling, with train to Busan, there was sort of this explosion. And then it just sort of uh, like it was a big wave and then it receded mm-hmm. well, right now this year. It seems uh, South America has been turning out just some really cool, interesting things. And Argentina I, in particular, it sounds like Argentina in, in particular. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I really, I just like that. I, I, I'd like to see movies in groups like that. So I did watch this soon after watching, um, good manners just to sort of keep that, that vibe going. Uh, but two very different movies in, in both quality and subject matter. Um, but you know, all, all three worth seeing just at lesser level, like different, different levels. Yeah. I was going to say that's, it's kind of a sad, it's a mixed bag, right? Like that Argentina has some good horror films coming out because it's also kind of a sad reflection. I know that they've had um, a very tough time the past right. few years. So it makes sense that the horror would start reflecting that Brandy. their horror cinema. Very true. Yeah, very true. But all right, Dave, thanks for covering uh, Luciferina. That's very interesting. Um yeah, I picture Lucifer in a tutu or something like Luciferina. But when yeah, I first when I first saw that title, I was like, "Wow, what is this?" I mean, and I, you think it's going to you think it's going to be sort of comedic, at least in some part. I don't think there's a laugh in this movie. To be honest with you, this is just so dark, mm. um, and that's one of its strengths. I think is just that darkness, especially in the first half. I love it. I love stuff that's dead serious like that so that's good all right dave so what we're gonna do we're gonna because of you have to go to work here in about 40 minutes ish we're gonna move into doing your mini reviews so uh why don't we talk about cam together dave sure so i know both you and i saw this this was getting so much buzz that um streaming on netflix and i'm like you know what we're gonna have to check out cam 
And we did. And I, by the way, I didn't know what to expect. I don't know how you were so in the loop with this, <laughs> but I had no idea whatsoever what it was. I didn't know it was about a cam girl, which mm-hmm. for those who are unaware, which I doubt anybody is, but I was because I'm so naive. <laughs> it's um, it's a, it's an individual who works online as a, a, a sex performer, right? And um, receives money for uh, performing on webcam mm-hmm. over right. the internet. And, and, so, and your ranking is, is obviously very important. Right. As we see in this movie, you know. Right. Well, the first thing I want to ask you, Dave, and not to put you on the spot, but who's your favorite? Pro- no, I'm just kidding. I'm like, I was going <laughs> to. <laughs> this is, this is, I mean, this is, I've never really personally understood the appeal of this sort of thing. But you have done um, it for many years, I, like I yourself. Know. No, I, I have to. I have to admit, I have not uh, done it. I'm familiar with the culture, is all. Okay, uh, but I've not. Uh, I just never understood the appeal of of this sort of thing. But a lot of guys do, obviously. I mm-hmm. mean, they're very well, popular. Jay, not to call you out, but call um, me out. One time I was over at your house, and you were like, "Hey, let's check out this." No, but you watched that. <laughs> other, you watched that other Cam horror movie. What was that other one from a couple years ago? Well, there was one. I'm I'm trying to think. There was there was a movie called That's Look. Sure. I'm trying to think. I'm not sure what one you're referring what to. Was that? It was one where like the this guy is forming a relationship with a cam girl and then tracks her down to that they like all live in a house together all the girls. Oh yeah, I do remember. That was pretty fun actually. That was good. But yeah, you didn't know what it was all along, you big liar. No, what I'm saying is the <laughs> two fact years from, two years from now he'll watch another one. I didn't know anything about <laughs> the <laughs> fact the fact that it was called Cam that didn't tell me. That didn't say Cam Girl to me. You know, like I, I just heard everybody everybody saying, Oh, I love Cam, blah, 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 Cam this, Cam that. And I'm like, what is what the hell is Cam? I think, I think the other one was called Girl House. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Girl House. Good one. Yeah. That was pretty fun, actually. But but this one first of all, I just want to say I I don't see a hundred percent where this is fitting in the horror genre for me personally. Like, like I could, I know that there's, there are like, I guess, horror aspects to it, arguably, but, um, what's the basic premise if I might ask? Oh yes. Yes. Okay. Dave, do you, do you want to do it or you want me to tell them? Yeah, I could just do it. Just sum it up real quick okay. it's about this, um, uh, a girl, she has this channel her whole thing is about her ranking. She wants to break into the top 50 uh, at the uh, initially. And she comes up with all these different things. At one point, she um, uh, does like almost like an on-screen uh, suicide. Not much of a spoiler because it happens early on. Um, things like that to try to increase her ranking. And it seems to be working. How, um, how, does, how, do you, how do you benefit from your ranking if you've well, committed suicide? Well, I don't. You know what? I can I can I explain it. I, it. It happens in the movie. I don't think this is something that could happen in real life. I mean, but it happens in the movie. Well, it, it because it is artificial. You know, there it's are people. There yes, are people who artificial. get. There are people yeah. who get kicks off of. You know. I thought you were saying that she was going to commit suicide. No, 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 no. This is this is like an artificial. But it looks plan. real. It, it looks real. It does look real. She she okay. so, she pulls it off, but and she, she manages she manages it's not, to pull it's it not off. a snuff cam girl show. No, 
No, no, no, nothing like that. But what happens is she realizes her channel has been hacked by someone who she can't figure out that is putting out fresh videos, live videos of her. It looks exactly like her. She can no longer access her her account, um, or she can for a little bit, and then she's locked out of her account. But even though she's not, you know, even though it's her, this is her on screen, her ranking is going up exponentially, and she's oh. reaping none of the benefits of it of having built it up to that point. Mm-hmm. So the horror comes in, or or I should say, it's, it is more thriller, I guess, Jay, than mm. horror. It does have that feel to it, but I can see it's where like, it fits in the horror genre, too. It's like the cyber thrillers of the 90s, like the net or something. It's, <laughs> right. It's, it's a it's, mystery it's a lot like to that me. Because then this girl is now dealing with the fact of who is it who stole her identity, not just her identity, her face, her channel, her life, as it were, because she's sitting in her room at some points and she looks on, she looks live. This person is, looks like they're in her room or in her house, walking through her house Mm -hmm. and she's looking around and there's nobody there. So she's really left trying to figure out what the hell's going on here. A lot of the horror, I think Jay is where it eventually goes. Where it event where it ends up at the end there, which we really can't go into here. Right, right. But once you once you because because there doesn't seem to be an answer for what's going on, and I don't know that the movie gives you a clear cut answer of exactly what's going on. Right. In fact, let me just say regarding that, I ended up, I I watched this film and then I'm like, okay, I better watch the last twenty minutes again. So I watched the last twenty minutes again. And then I'm like, I still don't know what happened. And then I watched it a third time the last 20 minutes. And I'm like, what am I missing? And so then I started researching like online theories and watching YouTube videos. And there are a couple of pretty decent theories out there that I'm like, oh, okay, I see. But yeah, there's a this is one of those films that's very creative. And it also allows lots of room for interpretation and discussion and debate mm-hmm. and so forth. But in in for a lot of people, for somebody like me, you might consider me less sophisticated a viewer. But it, it is a little less satisfying in that way because I'm like, okay, that's interesting and intriguing. But still, you know, what the heck? Like, <laughs> But I, I don't know. It, right. She, I will say, I, I gotta, there are some things I really got to you celebrate and that's madeline brewer who plays the cam girl the- oh she's excellent and and this is really her movie she's in she, pretty much every scene and she is tremendous she is tremendous and and i will just kind of give people a heads up you know how sometimes josh will be watching a movie and you know somebody will walk in the room in a certain scene and you're like oh great out of this whole 90 minute movie they walk in during that one scene yeah. Right. Well, this entire movie is scenes like that. So well, don't, that's true. So, no, so yeah, don't watch this with your grandma. I mean, it's the same thing. It's the same thing with me, Jay, because I, I, I mean, I could be watching a movie about Mother Teresa, and if she happens to be washing the feet of a, of a, of like a, 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 a topless uh, village woman or something, my wife will walk in <laughs> and say, "What are you watching? Porn?" So it doesn't make any difference. It's just that one moment. I mean, it's become a running joke now. If my kids happen to be watching a movie with me just in passing. And there's a scene of nudity. They'll go, oh, mom should be here any minute. You know, <laughs> so it's become a running joke. But you're right. This movie, like yeah. you said, not for your grandmother. There, there is no in, there, in, there is no safe scene in this movie. In, in fact, in fact, um, you know, I, I'm not being a prude or anything. I'm just saying 
when I was trying to figure out what this what happened in this film, I was searching on Twitter, you know, so I did a search for the the title and so forth. Um, there were people <laughs> on Twitter saying um, they were criticizing Netflix for putting out like softcore porn and stuff. They're like, oh, now they're just trying to recommend porn to us, you know. So, you know, I, I just want to mention that to people. So it is, uh, it's engaging. It's strong content, so to but speak. When you make a movie about this subject, right? How else is, are you going to do it, right? I don't know that it's <clears> as, even as strong as maybe some of these real shows are. You know, but then again, I don't know how many of these channels are out there or or what, but so well, I'm looking at what it says about it. So this is crazy because I just barely this week saw on Jimmy Fallon. They did this thing with John Oliver where they had this face swap technology mm-hmm. where it could like, you know, like they did that on those um, like Snapchat filters or whatever where they do like a face swap mm-hmm. this like actually can do that in li- with live video where they can make one person look like another person i wonder if that's where they got the idea for well this move yeah, maybe i i can speak to that a little so the the filmmaker here i'm, I'm just trying to remember here i, I believe it's um is um isa mazzy anyway she she was a, a cam girl and um and and oh, so she yeah she's had a lot of experience about that and so she wanted to make a film that depicted that world and kind of communicated just some of the challenges and and how hard people work and how dedicated these these girls are and, and she's the, the Diablo Cody of our day huh I, I'm serious exactly that's a great way of saying it that's and really true yeah and she said like you know I guess when she was trying to get this made like you know people were like yeah you're never gonna because of that content you're never gonna get that out there yeah and, and she realized that the best approach would be to make it a horror film because yes well you'll see i mean if you read up about it but some of her experiences she wanted to reflect some of the struggle through this horror story and she really you know felt like it captured it well and i i agree i mean it's it's a it's a good movie but uh, to me, I wish it's more in the thriller mystery territory and it's, I, I don't know, it's decent. But Dave, um, I mean, did you, is this one that you'd recommend to people? I mean, where, where are you? I, I think so. I'd give a sort of a cautious recommend because it is some strong material. Um, but I'd say, yeah, I'd give it probably a six out of 10 and say, it's, I think it's worth a rental, maybe 6.5, mm-hmm. um, you know, taking her performance into, into, uh, into account. Yeah. Um I'd say a 6.5 and I definitely think it's worth a rental, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I mean, I'm a 6.5 on it and it's a rental. I mean, it's but but not as much for a horror film personally, but just just because it's a decent flick. I mean, it's like a mystery thriller drama by my estimation, but um it's certainly intriguing. I think yep. people enjoy I, people on Twitter, I mean, it I, I've just heard so much raving about this, so that's that's one reason why I had to see it. So, mm-hmm. anyways, Josh, is that up your alley? You think? I don't know. I mean, I I definitely love my thrillers, but and mysteries uh, too. You're a mystery yeah, guy. Yeah, mysteries. I don't know. Is there a lot of drama of someone taking over your account though? Like again, like I, yeah. I just think of Sandra Bullock with the net, like. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, is it a lot of uh, like trying to remember the password? <laughs> yeah, there's some of that, but that's what's... what was my mother's. What was my first CD I ever bought? What was my What was my high school teacher's name? What's funny about that is like you know anybody who's been on the internet for any amount of time may or may not have encountered some sort of doppelganger circumstance, and so right. some yeah, of like it identity theft. Yeah, that too. So some of it really rings true, but this is identity theft taken to the extreme. Right. Is what yeah. it is. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know. I, I feel like I don't know if I dare brave the if someone walks in the room. <laughs> oh, yeah, you'd be. Yeah. Yeah, you, yeah, definitely. I mean, I just think anybody might be in trouble maybe for that. So anyways. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Dave, tell us about uh, Ganjium Haunted Asylum. All right. This is a this is as as Josh was saying. This is a Korean horror film. It's a Korean found footage horror film mm-hmm. uh, from from 2018, and it is set in the Gonjiam. Well, it's set there. I don't think it was fully filmed there. It wasn't I, filmed there, but it's it is a real place. It's it is a real place. place. CNN Travel has called this place one of the seven creepiest places on the planet. <laughs> Or seven freakiest places on the planet. Okay. This Ganjim um, psychiatric hospital. And mm. they get into the backstory. And what it is, it's almost like a, um, you know, like a, a paranormal research type of group where they're going to go into this hospital. Um, they're setting up a tent. The main guy is going to be in a tent on the grounds broadcasting it because you're not allowed to be there. So they're sort of breaking into the hospital to, to record this whole thing. Yeah. Uh, it's another way for there to be no help coming. You know, as, as well, they're doing you this. talk about webcams, this is a live stream. And right, so as a live stream, yeah. It's a little bit of a variation on the found footage. Not a huge variation, but... And it's interesting It's interesting because they use the GoPros where they give you point of view plus the person's face at the same time. They have two yeah. cameras, one pointing mm-hmm. out, one pointing in. For all of the pen, there's like, what, six or seven people that go into this hospital. Yeah. I think six people go into the hospital um, and it is running. They're trying to get a million views because that would rely, be a lot of money. Um, but they're going into a place that there's a room 402, the fourth floor. Anyone who has tried to open the door, that's the one locked door. Anyone who has tried to open that door has died or disappeared. Mm. And the very end of the cast at the end of the, you know, the live stream, they're going to open that door and walk in is what they're talking about doing. Um, this is something that it's not totally original. I mean, you know, you know, anyone who's seen found footage is going to know some of what's going to happen in this movie, but because of the setting and I think the way that it escalates, it's very low key early on. I don't know if Josh, if you agree, it's more like a Blair witch type thing where yeah. it's more in the feeling as opposed to what's being experienced. Yeah. And but I then, think there are a lot of found footage movies are like this. They, they are. Take, they take kind of a long time to get going. I think this one really ramps up at the end, though. Like, I oh, think, yeah. But not just like the last minute, like a lot no, of no, no. them do. Like, this is like a good half hour yes. of the film. This is a fantastic conclusion, I think. I agree. And, I, and there are times when you're just, you want to, you're like, oh, geez, don't go in there. Oh God, don't be bad. You know, <laughs> things are happening to these characters yeah. where they're all, they all want out at some point. You know, I mean, even the most, the, the, you know, the, the ones who want to get the money from this, 
except the main guy who's not in the building. He's the only one driving them forward. And they're all like, we're getting the hell out of here. We're done. The one girl I thought was funny, the American girl who had been to three of the other places of, of the seven freakiest on the CNN travel. So on that list, this was her fourth. And she's the first one who wants to bail. <laughs> well, she knows how much yeah. worse this is compared to yeah, the other compared one. to the other ones, <laughs> and it's pretty terrible. I mean, you know, this is not a place I wouldn't want to walk past this building, let Guys, alone go anywhere near it. What if we did this as a dead serious horror challenge? What if we traveled there Never. to three? I of would us? say good luck to you, Jay. <laughs> Never. Why? Why I can't? I just don't understand why it would be so scary. Well, it's scary. Uh, it's it's scary just to watch it. They didn't even film it there. You would yeah, die. I know, right. But they did lay it out <laughs> to the same. They laid out wherever they were filming. It was laid out just like this hospital, supposedly. Yeah, they um, wanted the, I read that they wanted the geography to match up with how it would really. Right. Work. So it's and the, the and look and of the it. Like, I'm it's, sorry, it's, I'm not trying to doubt the you look guys. Of it. It's the look of it, definitely. But it's, you know, and they give a history of this hospital, of the very strange things that happened there. The history itself is not uncommon. It's the sort of thing you hear about these places. This person disappeared. This group was found dead, blah, 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 blah. So you think, okay, it's just sort of a standard. Maybe some of it's, you know, urban legend. Maybe some of it's uh, got a hint of truth, that type of stuff. But where it goes with that at the end, just where it ties everything together at the end, like Josh says, probably a good 30 minutes. And it's not a long movie. I think it's an hour and a half. The last 30 minutes are just, you know, like hide under your cover scenes um, in this <laughs> film. <laughs> nice. Okay. And and you saw it too, right, Josh? So you were- yeah. No. So like I was just talking about how terrified was so unique. And like, I prefer terrified because it's just, I'm more interested in that world. This is far scarier to me though. Like I thought this was so scary. Yeah. This is one of the scarier movies I saw this year. Wow. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely is. It has moments that are just, you're like, wow. And you just, you just want to say to these people, you know, it it gets to the point where you're saying get out. And then it gets to the point, like, why the hell did you ever go in? You know, because (laughs) you, you realize getting out for some of them is just not going to be an option. Okay. And nice. one of the more interesting uses, I think, of that camera out, camera in happens with these two characters who are outside. Um, mm. Boy, that really got me, Jay, Josh. Yeah. That might have been the part that launched the really scary stuff happening. Yeah. I think it might have happened around the hour mark. And what this, what happens to this one character? You're like, oh, boy. you know it's like i I think it's interesting too because like they said it kind of starts out like a standard found footage movie and i was i remember thinking like yeah i see because i really love found footage and i and i'm always looking for interesting ways to do we just talked about the devil's doorway a couple ago how that was a very different approach to found footage and and you just start thinking well you're very limited in the kinds of scares you can do because you're always this first person perspective. Well, they, they, again, they changed that up by having the cameras go both directions. So that's, that's nice. It adds a little, a little variant to there. The live stream adds a nice little variant there, but then it really, that the ending really departs from what, you know, I've seen other found footage movies do. I, yeah, it really does uh, because it just takes, all these characters in different areas are dealing with different sort of horrors. 
yeah. um, that just escalate and escalate and escalate. Excellent. Okay, so where do you come in then, Dave, on uh, Ganjum Haunted Asylum? What do you rate I'd it? I'd probably say, I'd give it probably an 8 out of 10 and say definitely rent it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it is, it is out there on DVD and Blu-ray. It might be worth a purchase. I don't know how it's going to hold up on a rewatch though. That's my only thing. I don't know if it's, if it's, if, but for a one-time watch, definitely an eight out of 10. Okay. And Wolfman, what do you say? I would agree with Dave. I think this is an eight out of 10 and I would call it a rental. It's a strong rental recommendation for me. If you like paranormal films, if you like found footage films, I think if you dislike those, I still think it's worth giving this a try because I do think it's a, a bit better than than average. I think this is above average. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, if you like those two genres, you're going to love this, I think. Yeah. I, yeah. You guys sold me on it because I like uh, found footage and I like scary. So so that, that sold me right there. Yeah. This was on Netflix a while ago. I don't think it is anymore, unfortunately. Okay. And, and Jay, this this would I would put it on a par to be honest with you. Some of the scenes in this with Satan's slave. Oh wow. Okay. Satan's slave. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, as far as as just far as the, the 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 gripping horror in it, and it even gets probably a little more intense than that movie as it goes on. Yeah. But it, it's on that same level. Because thus far this year, I think Satan's Slaves is the the scariest movie I've seen so far in 2018. Mm-hmm. Streaming on Shutter, by the way. But. Okay, what about you, you can get this one for like a three ninety nine rental on Amazon. Okay, yeah. cool. Yep. Okay, Dave, I've been I've been waiting like this whole night to hear this because I've been trying to work this in on a movie podcast weekly, but I've been so curious about the domestics. The domestics is a is an interesting film. It's one of those ones where Jay again, you might you might not think it's horror. I'm not a hundred percent sure I look at it as horror. This is almost <clears throat> if I were to compare it. And it says sci-fi thriller is what IMDb listed as. Mm-hmm. But the situation itself that these people are going through is pretty terrifying. Um, it's a post-apocalyptic world. Um, this husband and wife, uh, and it's controlled by gangs. Think of the road warrior combined with the warriors is what I would equate it to. Okay. The world of the road warrior with gangs from the warriors wow in control of it and that's what this movie is that sounds um, great yeah it yeah. really is and and, and uh, as a movie i think it really is you have this um uh the, and the gangs are you have these this couple what happens is this woman and the rest of the world is in chaos it's funny because there's this one radio dj not not like a wolfman jack but this guy who now that the fcc is not around he can say whatever the hell he wants who's sort of trying to help the domestics, which are the people who are in their houses trying to avoid these gangs, trying to live their lives. Um, you know, and they set up what happened for post-apocalyptic right at the beginning. Um, most of the world died off. Those who didn't, who were immune to what happened, are the ones left. You either joined a gang or you had your family and you're trying to protect them. Um, and these gangs will come right into your house without any without any warning in in large numbers. And there are things like, you know, the plow boys or the truck drivers. Um, you have the gamblers who spin a wheel before they decide whether they're going to shoot you or not. Um, just all of these different groups, each as dangerous as the last. And they're fighting each other and they're killing anybody they come across and stealing whatever they can get. So it's just a crazy world. You have this this two couple and um, Josh, mm. an actress. I know you've you've uh, Kate Bosworth mm-hmm. stars in this. 
Oh um, wow, I love Kate Bosworth. Yeah, she's great. She, she plays the wife. It's it's this husband and wife who were about to th- their marriage was falling apart before this happened. Now they're almost together. You get the feeling because they have to be together because they need each other to sort of stay alive. But the relationship is is beyond repair. Um, but yet they're still. She she had been in contact with her parents. Um, they they lived in oh, I can't remember where they were going. Um, uh, Minnesota it might have been. I can't remember exactly. Or they lived in Minnesota and they were going down to another town. I, I'm, that's a little fo- uh, foggy to me. But anyway, they have to travel about almost 200 miles to get to her house because she had been talking with her mother on CB. Uh, and all of a sudden for the last two weeks, she hasn't been able to raise her mother and she's worried. So this guy's like, fine, we'll go down there. And they brave this world. And it is a terrible, terrible world to go out into. One of those things where you think most people aren't going to make it three minutes out there, that there are people waiting for you to go out there. And all of these different gangs, there's not a one of them that you can even sort of put your trust behind. Um, you know, they're, they're all each as violent as the last. Um, and you see that throughout the movie. You won't even run into some individuals who are violent. Even some of the domestics that they meet up with are pretty horrific. And this is a straight up gore fest at times. Mm. I mean, this is like no holds barred violence. Um, there, there's even a group of of um, of uh, of women. I can't remember what their name is, but they're men haters. They're going to kill anything, any any men that they've come that they come across. You have all of this going on. Uh, the husband's played by Tyler. Hoechlin, I think is his name. Um, the performances of the two leads is strong. It's really, really strong. And as some of the supporting performances are as well. The story eventually takes a few turns where you think, I don't know how they could have possibly survived this situation. Almost a little bit unbelievable, but you're still rooting for them. So you, I kind of was able to overlook that. Um, like at one point they escape this one gang, like uh, towards the end of the movie and what they're going through. You're like, they're out, they're done. You know, you think that's it. This is over. And how they escape maybe a little bit, a uh, little bit far fetched within the world of this movie, you know, uh, as to how, as to what they did. Mm. But it is, like I said, this, this is about as violent a movie as I've seen this year. Hmm. Um, nice. If not the most violent movie I've seen this year. Cool. And it's nonstop. I mean, it's it's just there's there's a lot of gore in this film. Um and <laughs> it's exciting, it's thrilling, and there are times when it is terrifying. I mean, it's not a, it's not even considered a horror movie on IMDb, but I can see where some people would put it into that category. And I think some people have um but I do recognize this is another eight out of ten for me, and I am going to buy this one. Um, because I love, I love both the road warrior and the warriors. Think of that with, with, uh, a troubled couple trying to deal with both worlds nice. at the same time. Yeah. And that's what you're, that's what you get in this movie. It's, okay. it sounds like a metaphor for, um, for child rearing, right? Yeah. Yes. Poster right. looks awful. <laughs> I have to say though. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. A lot of all, any of these posters, I hate it when they did this, this whole nineties, late nineties, early two thousand things of just showing the actor standing there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who gives a damn? 
I mean, show us something about the movie. You know, they did that with all these, you have these great movies, something like the, I remember when the DVD for Road to Perdition came out, that had a great poster and they throw Tom Hanks in close up on it. I mean, who gives a damn? Yeah, you know, and that was that was. I mean, we saw in that movie the was it started the you know yeah twenty four by thirty six. They talk about that about how the posters of that time period aren't even really worth yeah. collecting because they're so drab and dull. <laughs> yeah, totally. And that's, so this one's almost like a harkens back to that. But man, this is just it's it's such a a strong film. I thought and definitely eight out of ten. And I think horror fans will find something in here for them. Yeah, to you know to that that they'll like. It's not necessarily the type of horror film. It's not necessarily a horror film. It's more like action sci-fi thriller. Mm-hmm. But man, there are parts of this that you really are just terrified for these people. I'm sold. Okay, I'm in. I'm totally in. All right. I know there was a, a film, a little Beastly Freaks flick. I, I, I talked about this way back in June, but now I'm, I'm so excited to hear your take on Primal Rage. Primal Rage. Yeah, this is um, Josh. Have you seen this or anything? I heard about this one. No, I don't know anything about okay, it. Okay, this is one you're going to like. It is a Bigfoot movie steeped in Native American folklore. Okay, I'm sold. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. And this is and this is this is not your daddy's Bigfoot. So for one of a better phrase, this is a this is a creature that this is a creature that would give the predator a run for its money. Because it's not just a mindless creature. This is a thinking, hunting, um, clever. And they set up why, you know, it's the, and it's uh, again, harkens back to the Native American folklore. What do they call it, Jay? An Oma or something like that, where um, it's almost like a spirit yeah. of the ancient chiefs has come back. Yeah. As this creature. Mm-hmm. So it has all of that experience. And it's sort of out in the world. You know, it's it's a man eater, um, and it even sets its sights. It starts with this young couple. Um, the guy has just been released from prison, and they're driving back. Um, you know, to driving home, they're going through the woods, um, and they come across um, uh, this badly mauled guy on the side of the road who had been walking, and they thought that they hit him. And they look and said, "No, there's no way we did that damage." All of a sudden, rocks are thrown at them from the from the woods. The guy falls down, falls into a river, and is swept down the river. And that's where it starts from there. Um, they have a run in with these sort of gun toting yokels, um, who they had, you know, they had so- seen them at a gas station, and now they sort of have to rely on them to get them back to the road. And it's a very tense situation, you know, having to be with these guys because they're ogling the wife. Um, and the Bigfoot creature even takes a bit of an interest in the wife. Um, and at the same time, you have this Native American sheriff who has basically turned his back on, you know, his his the tradition of his of his ancestors and his young deputy. It's interesting because the older guy is the one who's turned his back. The young deputy is the one who says, no, come with me. We can, you know, come with me to this this um, ceremony, I guess, with uh, what is that? Peyote? Is that mm-hmm. what it's called? That drug, mm-hmm. and maybe you know, and it, it'll help open your mind. And so you have that going on at the same time as these people dealing with this, eventually dealing with this creature. First, they're dealing with these yokels, then they're dealing with these creature, this creature, and it is a formidable uh, foe. I mean, this is not just a big a bigfoot that you're going to show him some fire and he's going to run away. This is this is a like I said a predator. I mean, this is along the lines of a predator, 
um, from, you know, from the Schwarzenegger movie. Um, and I really liked it. I really, there was a lot to like about this movie. I liked how they tie the native American folklore in with it. I did like the two characters a lot. Um, you know, to, to the point that you want to see them. And I thought they were well portrayed. Uh, and just the creature itself was so interesting to me. Um, I'd say probably an 8.5. I would, and I'm going to buy this, um, definitely rent it. And I think you might want to end up, there are people who might want to end up buying this. So, Uh, but definitely a rental. I'm going to say a rental. I'm glad that you enjoyed this so much, honestly, because you know, that makes me happy. And I'm a beastly freaks guy and I love beastly freak stuff. I won't regurgitate everything I said in episode 148, but I will say I'll give it credit on a couple of things. It does go really far with the, the gore. It has some creative kills. I think that's awesome. Um, I like that part. There's a, there's like a witch character that, that I think is kind of creepy. It reminds me a little bit of um, yeah. like in pumpkin head kind of. Yes, and, definitely. And I think that's really cool. But for me, with Beastly Freaks movies, it really comes down to the appearance of the monster. And um, I, I am so sorry, Dave, but I got a little bit of a Harry and the Hendersons vibe on it. And a yeah, little this bit. Is, this is Harry and the Hendersons with with like uh, with a Terminator uh, mentality. And, and I mean, you know, so if, <laughs> if, if this was Harry and the Hendersons, that movie would have been over in five minutes. He would have he would have found him when they hit him on the side of the road. He would have got up and killed them. And, I mean, you know, come on. This is yes. Well, I mean, as far as the look of the creature, but I mean, you're talking about a Bigfoot, right? You know, but the traditional Bigfoot creature. I don't know how creative you want them to get with that. There's also there's also I they did get a little. I thought they did get a little creative with with the way that they depicted it. Um, with what it could do and also, you know, how it appears when you first see it. Yeah. Well, do you, Josh, do you remember the mask that we talked about in uh, You Might Be the Killer? Yes, sir. Okay, picture that mask, but all over the creature's body, like armor. So it, it has mm. th- that, that sort of like armor, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, which may be interesting for some people because it's like, okay, this is more of a sentient being. It even knows how to use weapons and stuff, and that's kind of cool. Yeah. But um, but like the red eyes and stuff, Dave, I don't know. I, I'm sorry. That was a little bit disappointing. But I do like it goes really far with some of the things that happen. I'm like, oh, they went there. They actually did that. Like that was intense, you know. So, right. But anyways, no, it, it's, it's good. I understand why people are having so much fun with it but for me it's like a 6.5 i called it a rental but i'm glad you enjoyed it a lot so i I enjoyed it more than you did but you know 6.5 is still pretty good that's right that's right i think you wrote a paper about your (laughs) 6.5 i'm sure i did way back when yes you know i did okay dave and then finally before you gotta run uh let's hear about strange nature all right i watched this one just um this weekend actually before i went to work And I had meant to watch three movies, but what I did was I watched Strange Nature and I was going to take notes on it because I wanted to um, have specific notes written down to talk about on this episode. Uh, And I ended up writing a full-on review. I hadn't done it in a while. And as I got my notes together, I said, hey, I might as well just write a full-on review of this thing. (laughs) Um, Because I haven't done that now since the beginning of May or the end of April, I guess, technically, was the last time I wrote a full review. Wow. And I just wanted to say, yeah, let's sort of keep the skills sharp here and let's see, you know, make sure I (laughs) I don't want them to lax too long. 
So I ended up, and I'm just going to actually sort of read this. I don't normally do this, but I'm just going to read the review. And this is going to eventually post on the blog as review number 2501. Uh, and it is strange nature. Okay. Um, the discovery of deformed frogs in a small Minnesota town situated on Lake Superior may very well be uh, tied to a series of birth defects that are rocking the local population. It's up to a former pop star who, along with her 11-year-old son, has returned home to care for her ailing father to figure out what's causing these bizarre mutations. But will she get to the bottom of it all in time, or will nature beat her to the punch, unleashing its full fury in the residents of this backwoods community? Uh, with its seemingly goofy premise and a brief cameo at the outset by former trauma regular Tiffany Shepis, you might think Strange Nature is going to be yet another low-budget horror comedy. But writer-director James Ohala, I think is how you pronounce it, who a makeup effects artist headed, helming his first feature, plays it straight, transforming this 2018 eco-horror film into a deadly serious nature-going-wild tale that also boasts a generous helping of impressive creature effects. Neat. Now, Strange Nature has its share of flaws. The story tends to meander with whole sequences that aren't set up properly. Groups of scenes are occasionally strung together with no rhyme or reason, hurting the overall flow. This, along with a clumsy romantic entanglement designed solely to introduce an unnecessary plot twist and a few loose ends that are never tied up, so was the salmon infected or not, prevents Strange Nature from being a breakout success. That said, the movie does have a few things going for it that are sure to impress even the most apprehensive of genre fans. First and foremost is actress Lisa Sheridan, who delivers a solid performance as Kim Sweet, the washed-up pop star who, soon after hitting it big in the West Coast a decade or so, or, excuse me, a decade or so earlier, gave a series of interviews trashing her hometown. Now she's forced to return to this very community to care for her sick father, played extremely well by Bruce Bond, a.k.a. Andy, the gun store proprietor from Zack Snyder's 2004 remake of Dawn of the Dead. Older and a bit wiser, Sheridan's Kim is a determined, likable heroine, and we root for her every step of the way. There are other decent performances as well, including John Hennigan as the rough-around-the-edges yokel who serves as the movie's primary mortal villain, and character actor Stephen Tobolowsky, best remembered as <laughs> Ned, the pesky insurance salesman who hounded Bill Murray in 1993's Groundhog Day <laughs> as the town's mayor, mm -hmm. who, like all authority figures in these sort of horror stories, refuses to acknowledge the facts that are staring him in the face. In one of the film's few humorous moments, an exasperated Kim even says to Tobolowsky's character, God, you're like one of those movie mayors. <laughs> but what really lifts this 2018 horror flick to the next level are its makeup and creature designs. Under the watchful eye of director Ohala himself, who had previously assisted with the makeup and effects on such big-budget spectacles as X-Men The Last Stand and 2011's Thor, as well as the 2008 indie horror film Dead Girl, the effects in Strange yes. Nature range from serviceable to extraordinary. Ohala and his small crew do an especially remarkable job depicting the various birth defects. In addition, the movie's final act features a handful of grisly moments, including one of the more disturbing throat rips I've seen in some time. Though it does sometimes struggle with the same issues that plague many low-budget horror films, along with the problems already mentioned, a few of the supporting performances are subpar. Strange Nature proved a pleasant surprise. I'd give it a 6 out of 10 and say it's worth a rental. Mm -hmm. Six out of okay, I'm intrigued by this. Eco-horror, huh? That's cool. It's it's eco-horror with a few creatures, um, creature effects, I should say, um, as to what happens. You know, it starts off with these frogs, uh, and then there are theories that go around as to what's causing this with the frogs, and will it affect humans? And then you start to see it affect other animals and 
including humans, as uh, as the movie progresses. And I think that's where the strength really lies in, in some of the de- the way it depicts on some of these birth defects. It's really, really strong. Okay. Cool, Dave. Well, thanks for all your homework you did to contribute to this episode. We really appreciate it. It was it was very good hearing yeah, from I, you. I, thanks. And this is this is my first year of being able to dive into you know the movies of the the current year um, with the challenge over and, and whatnot. So I'm enjoying it, and I'm just trying to to I'm diving in as as far as I can with this. So. Um, and there'll be more to come. I guess we'll be talking about the, we've got the top 10 episode coming up soon. Oh, yes. And yes. I'm really looking forward to, and I don't, I still haven't formulated the list of where things are going to fall. So mm-hmm. I still don't know what my number 10, to, what my number one to number 10 are going to, to be. I know some of the, what is going to be on there. I just don't know at, at what point in the list they're going to be. <laughs> yet. Totally. Can't wait, Dave. Well, thanks for taking the time and uh, be safe driving to work. So you're just going to get off here. It's like, 2 a.m. You're going to get off here and like drive to work here, right? I have to, I have to be in work at 3 a.m. So I have a, I, it takes me a half hour to get there. So I've got a half hour to, you know, wash up and get ready. And then I'm out the door. That's pretty much that. All right, buddy. Well, be careful and you have a good night. Thanks. You guys too. Take care. <laughs> All right. And at this point in episode 163 of Horror Movie Podcast, let's move into feature review of the Clove Hitch Killer. You are the best young lady that he has brought home to meet us. Also the only one. Dad. Not tying exemplifies the strength of a troop or family. How come dad doesn't have to help with couponing? Because your father has his own hobbies. Okay, the Clove Hitch Killer. Mm-hmm. It's a 2018 film, drama horror mystery, and it is about a family who lives in kind of a conservative Christian town mm-hmm. and their entire social circle are other kind of conservative Christians. And this young boy who's kind of struggling through his adolescence takes a, a lady out on a date and they're parking. And all of a sudden she finds some pornographic material in the car and she questions him about it. He's like, I don't, I don't know where that came from. It's not mine. I don't know how it got in here. And, you know, she, she leaves and immediately starts telling people in their social circle about this. And because they are presumably, um, you know, virgins and, and, and saving themselves for marriage and due to their belief system, something like this is very shocking to find. And uh, he's quickly labeled a pervert and a sinner throughout his social circle. And, and worst of all, he immediately realizes, well, this, this isn't mine. It must be my dad's. Mm -hmm. So he starts investigating his father to figure out why does my dad have this, kind of disturbing bondage pornography just hanging around in the truck. So he goes poking around in his dad's stuff and finds that it may be much worse than he initially had anticipated. So that's the basic premise here. And I don't know how far we want to get into it, but basically you have Dylan McDermott plays the father and Charlie Plummer plays the son. 
Christopher Ford is a fantastic writer. He wrote Cop Car, which I love. He wrote Robot and Frank, which I love. Clown, which we've talked about before on the show. In fact, won our Beastly Freaks Award the year it came out, if I'm not mistaken. And he wrote Spider-Man Homecoming, which I think is a great mainstream uh, superhero film. So he's he's a very um, strong writer. Mm-hmm. Directed by Duncan Skiles, who I'm not particularly familiar with his work. Looks like he's done some a lot of television, but I, I'm not as familiar with the director. But nevertheless, I think they've made one of the great serial killer movies mm-hmm. that exists, frankly. And it's very low-key. It's It's very understated. Some people might call this a slow burn. For my tastes, it was not a slow burn. I felt like the pacing was perfect throughout. Um, but I think this is a really strong entry into the serial killer genre. It definitely feels low budget. It definitely um, and you, you know, feels like uh, kind of an indie, you know, festival film. But man, I was really impressed and. I also want to say, in addition to Charlie Plummer and Dylan McDermott, who I think are both fantastic in this, yes. I also really enjoyed Samantha Mathis plays um, Tyler's mother, and Madison Beatty plays a young lady with whom uh, Tyler connects over these killings that are in the film, and mm-hmm. they kind of go on this cold case investigation together, which I love that as well. That's definitely part of the appeal for me. So what did you think? (laughs) I'm so glad that you chose this to be your feature review tonight because it is one of my favorite films of the year and it definitely deserves attention for sure. I mean, I think, I think it's one of the best films I've seen in 2018 Hmm. and I loved it. I, I really did. Now for me, it's one of those silence of the lambs type situations. So I, this will probably annoy the audience, but like, for me, it's definitely like a thriller mystery. It, it, I, and anybody who puts it in horror and puts it on their top 10 list, I, I won't have any problem with that, of course, because I can absolutely see the arguments for that and, and I won't bore people with that here. But just for me, it's it's more along the lines of a, a thriller that definitely steps into the horror um, a, a tiny bit. But but man, it is so, I guess, creepy. It's it's unsettling. It, it, it really freaked me out watching it it reminded me it was like a much for me it was a much better uh version of summer of 84 which i'm not saying it's the same exact thing but in summer of 84 you got a young character who's um suspicious it's like okay is this person i've known for a long time is this person a killer well is he or isn't he you know and and i love that mystery in this and Mm -hmm. and dylan mcdermott's performance is so nuanced that that you are kind of back and forth and you're like, well, is he? Well, isn't he? And like, and it's, you know, it's, that would be a, an extremely traumatic kind of huge problem to deal with in your life as a young kid. Definitely. <laughs> and so I can't even imagine being in this predicament, but where this film goes, I mean, the things that you end up seeing it it does get very um potent and mm-hmm. and upsetting and and I think that, that there's a moment which I can't talk about but I'll, I'll just say it in a vague way for people who know there's a character 
who has an expression on his face of of like shock, surprise, hurt. Like there's just like there's a moment <laughs> where it's like, are you kidding me? Really? Like really? <laughs> like that moment um, destroyed me because it was so um, just potent is the the best word I have. Mm-hmm. And and there's a lot of suspense in this. I mean, I I was like wiggling and moving around and um and just kind of you know on edge so it's a great little suspense thriller for me and um i loved it what else you got josh what else you got to say about it well you know i have only had only heard good things about this until after i saw it but since then i've seen two of our pretty active listeners come in with some negative comments so i kind of wanted to address some of their critiques of the film Mm -hmm. and just uh see what you thought i guess about those okay so our longtime listener, in fact, former listener of the year, Dino, he says, I'm about 25 minutes into the Clovehitch Killer, and so far I'm just annoyed by all the characters, he tweeted. And mm. that really surprised me because I thought the characters were, were so good. I mean, yes, there were a couple of characters who are a bit arch. You know, you have some kind of archetypal characters with the, the Christian best friend and the girl who everyone in town thinks she's a slut, but she, you know, is actually smart and, and very capable. Those are kind of like somewhat archetypal characters we've seen before you could borderline cliche but i feel like those people exist i know those people firsthand and i think in a community like this i don't think that they are um too much out of the question i guess Mm -hmm. it's like a lot of the kids i went to high school with actually (laughs) right Um, dino says exist or not i found basically every character to be annoying he also mentions that he hated the ending. So then I was like, well, okay, what wow. do you mean by the ending? Did you mean the very, very ending or like the last like hour or so? Cause there is a big kind of shift in tone mm-hmm. at about an hour into the movie. Yes. And that's where I'm seeing people either loved it or hated it. I think, um, based on that shift, but <laughs> Dino says the ending I'm referring to the last 10 minutes or so, but it started to bug me before that. Probably when they went into a a certain house, Hmm. I'm actually really surprised that most people seem to favor this, the summer of 84 for a serial killers, you know, type of movie this year. For sure. My biggest issue with the ending is the motivations. I understand the boy's perspective, but I don't understand the girls. And so I think he's, He's saying, I understand Tyler, played by Charlie Plummer's motivation, but he doesn't understand Cassie, played by Madison Beatty. And I, and I, again, I just did not necessarily agree with, with what he was saying there. Yeah. Um, I, he does leave a few spoilers that I don't know if it'd be worth having a short spoiler discussion about this movie because it is such a big twist kind of film, but, um, we can do that if you want. The other person was Shane the Maniac Cop. And I just want to pull up Shane's comments here, too, on Twitter, because I had these little interactions with both of these guys. Okay. Shane says, finished Clove Hitch Killer. First half had a summer of 84 vibe, which I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Then we hit a lull, which the movie never recovered from. The alternate timeline took out all of the intrigue of the film. I wanted to like it, and it may benefit from a second viewing. But as it is, 5.5 out of 10. <laughs> so for me, I was enjoying it okay for like the first hour. I was enjoying it. I, I was engaged 
for the first hour, but uh, at the hour mark, this movie completely shifted gears. And I was like, what am I watching <laughs> at a certain point? And then it really did shift narratively. And I loved that shift. Same. I mean, now I wanted to talk to you about it and I don't know if we can do it without spoilers. Let's try. Yeah, let's try. But what do you think about just shifting the style of storytelling midway through a film? Like, mm-hmm. do you think that is, cause I, I was trying to think, okay, I liked how they did it, but did it was it necessary? And I don't want to necessarily critique these filmmakers made that choice. That's fine, but right. just as an idea, as a general concept, what do you think about shifting storytelling gears mm-hmm. midway through a film? Okay, well, I think okay. So I, I love that question because you know how in the cinema there are multiple different ways to tell a story. You can communicate your narrative through. Imagery, of course, dialogue, through the music, through the editing. There are lots of aspects that tell the story. And I feel like with a film like this, which is um, in particular with this narrative, which gives you revelations and you learn more as you go and the characters gain perspective and insights, I feel like those shifts actually enhance, you know, the gained perspective. And so I, I loved that, that part of it. Now, um, with Dino's comment, my biggest thing, even though I love like I, I would say this, this Tyler kid, our, our protagonist, by the way, it, it cracked me up. Cause in the beginning, instead of having him save a cat, he saves a turtle. And I thought that was hilarious. Um, <laughs> so, but, but he's actually perhaps my favorite protagonist of 2018. In all the cinema that I've seen, my only complaint, the only wow. thing I did find annoying with him, which we have a lot in horror films, is I just wanted him to be a little bit smarter. I mean, it, it, it's he's a bright kid and stuff, but honestly, there were moments where it's like, what? I would have just gone straight to the cops. Like, what's the big, you know, why is this hard? Like, you know, so, you know, but it's a movie. So that was that aspect. But I feel like it just got, um, you know, like if you broke it into three parts, and I don't know that necessarily this fit the three act structure of the film, but but you know, it got real and then it got dire, mm-hmm. you know, and and I I love that step into that. So I I'm astounded. It's fine that Dino and Shane didn't love it like like I did, but but I'm astounded that people don't love this. It just it, it shocks me because I think it's a tremendous film. Yeah. I don't know that it, it seems like this is the most popular comparison is summer of 84, I guess just because it is that similar theme. I don't, I think they're very different movies and I think summer of 84 really benefits from that nostalgic summertime childhood feeling. And I think this is a completely different feeling, you know? And so I don't know. I don't know that it's a fair comparison or a necessary comparison. Like many of the comparisons between terrified and terrifier and Hellfest and, <laughs> and Bloodfest. again, like there's no real reason to compare these movies other than the one element, but um, mm, it's a pretty major element. I mean, I, I think there, I think there, I think there are some things that one does better. Like I think the whole section of summer 84 of like the quote unquote going over the fence. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that stuff 
is fabulous in summer of 84. Right. And I, and I don't think that is really mirrored, but just the tones are so different. They're tonally complete, like 180 degrees away from each other. Yeah. In terms of what the way their approach to the storytelling. So that's why I don't know if it's super useful. Um, I still, I do think in that sense, it is little apples to oranges, but Mm -hmm. um, I hear, I hear the comparison obviously makes sense, but um but the actual mystery i guess this just feels a lot more grounded in reality mm-hmm. to me this lacks all of that kind of um nostalgic feel good stuff but it just feels but it also doesn't and it also doesn't go quite as far i don't know maybe it does this is intense though i, I you know yes. i think like i can kind of imagine dealing with the situation as a kid that they find themselves in summer of 84 it's scary and horrifying and tragic and awful but you can kind of like wrap your head around like the adventure of it all it feels like an 80s adventure film yeah to some degree this if this happened to you would be devastating and to me like terrifying to the point that i don't know if i could handle it (laughs) you know you'd you'd be in a you know shrink sessions for the rest of your life there's a moment (laughs) that i found the most scary was when um a character move he moves a grill like a barbecue backyard barbecue Mm -hmm. you know what part i'm talking about yeah oh yeah i'm with you that that part messed me up way more than anything else in the movie because that's so scary to me that like his discovery in that moment is just like what <laughs> is going on yeah like it's it, it really ups the ante like you're saying like it gets real and then it gets dire yeah i mean it it, it is it's very troubling to me and mm-hmm. i think that all of the dread that is um built up in this just informs the suspense i think that that's the most that's my favorite aspect of this movie. I, I feel like that's something that's been lost um, since since the Hitchcock days. I just don't feel like as many films use suspense mm-hmm. as they used to or as they could. I mean, I there have been a few exceptions, but I think this builds suspense really well, Josh. I think that, yeah, they definitely use suspense differently because what they like to do is create all of this false suspension re- suspension tension and release tension and release because we want to have those extreme tension and then jump scare extreme tension and jump scare mm-hmm. and it just it gets exhausting after a while yeah. You know? yeah and and yeah i think this definitely is a different mode and it's very effective yeah so back to that idea of the storytelling engine kind of changing midstream i i i liked it and i thought it was i thought it was cool i i like what i like about it is the way it interacts with the mystery. So I like how we get to see the events through different eyes. We get to have added information, but I was just trying to figure out what would it have felt like if it had just been given to us at the time. Mm -hmm. And I think it would have actually added more tension in a couple of those scenes. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, So yeah, I wouldn't have had a problem personally if it had been, you know, we saw all the facets of what was happening, Wild you know, happened. the first time. Yeah. And that, and that's cool. And in fact, um, I guess my only other complaint about this, which I think is 
exacerbated a little bit by these various narrative um, <laughs> depictions is I, I'm not a huge fan of the whole, um, you know, Nancy Drew, like Scooby-Doo kids figuring out a mystery, like, <laughs> like I don't love that. That's basically my favorite thing on the planet. I, I know, <laughs> I know it is. That's why I'm treading so gently and lightly. And, and so, yeah. like, I think these two kids are definitely intelligent enough that, and curious enough to pursue a mystery like this and investigate. But, and I think the motivation is there for both of them, actually. But, but I just sometimes I'm like, well. I, it seems like a kid would have just gone to the cops or talked to the mom or I would done say something. like they don't I yeah, I would say it feels less convincing that these guys would have kept this a secret throughout as mm-hmm. as compared to maybe even like summer of eighty four. Yeah, because it's too big. I mean it is yeah. too big. Yeah. Stakes are too high in this. But anyways. So anything else you want to say before we do ratings on the clove hitch killer? Um, probably not without spoilers. I just want to, I just, I guess the one question I had is what Dino's question was, was what is the, like, do you agree with the decision that they make at the end in terms of how those characters have been acting the rest of the film? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And for both. Yeah. I love the end. I love it. I, I'm okay. I'm totally there, and I, I get why Dino's saying it doesn't make as much sense to him for the for the girl, but yeah, well, you know, I I feel like there are there there are not just considerations of our main characters, but there are considerations of other people as well, and their yeah. future, and their feelings, and their experience in the community, right? And so I, I feel like. That's a big part of it. So they're kind of selfless characters in that way. And I think that's awesome. But yeah. So Josh, for me though, I'm just telling you right now, this is for me, this is a nine out of 10 and I tell people to buy it again. It's like more of a suspense thriller mystery, but I think it's definitely something that horror fans would be interested in. Uh, what do you rate the Clovich killer? Um, I loved it. It sounds like not as much as you, I give an eight out of 10, but I do consider it a horror film. So okay. <laughs> that's where we, that's where we vary. But yeah, I would definitely buy this. I, I call it a, I call it a buy. Nice. Yeah. And before people leave a bunch of comments, Hey, totally. You know, if people, if it's horror for you, then I think that's great. I, I won't argue with that one bit. Just like, I don't argue with people about silence of the lambs either. Like if that's right. If you're calling that a horror film, fine. I totally get it. All right. Now, I got a little gem here that was very surprising to me. Let's move into feature review of The Possession of Hannah Grace. This job is not for everyone. Because of the hours? Because the only co-workers are cadavers. I heard there were issues. Yes, there were issues. But I'm much better now. Welcome to the team. You're the new girl. Megan. Well, I got a weird one for you. Her name is Hannah Grace. And her family was performing an exorcism or something on her. Yeah. 
Something went wrong. And she died in the middle of it. Okay. This film didn't seem to have like much information out about it. Like, the, you know, I didn't hear anything or know anything about it. It was basically the only film that was a new release in theaters um, this past weekend. Mm-hmm. And so when I saw that it was out and it's like a horror film, I'm like, okay. And I, and I looked at the, the premise and the premise is you've got this, um, this girl who is possessed by a demon. She dies she is um, checked into the the morgue. Her corpse is, and you got one one gal played by Shay Mitchell. She's our protagonist. She works alone in this hospital morgue, and she mm-hmm. she's processing. She does the intake for these bodies, and uh, the body is dead, but the demon remains. So I saw your Twitter post about this movie. Mm-hmm. And I noticed one of our listeners, Kane Hero, replied. So basically the same as the autopsy of Jane Doe. Right. <laughs> right. I, is, is that true? I was going to I was going to reference that very tweet because I, okay. I almost answered him on Twitter. But I'm like, you know, what? I'm going to save that response <laughs> for for the podcast. So thanks, Kane. I think that's that's a fair question. And in fact, um, it's a shame Dave isn't here, but. Dave actually got me that film, The Autopsy of Jane Doe, and I watched it um, in order to be able to answer that question. <laughs> so, uh, by the way, so The Autopsy of Jane Doe, I-, I could see, I could see some parallels there, but here, there's a big difference, and that is, um, The Autopsy of Jane, Jane Doe is very mysterious, and and there's definitely some sort of supernatural evil force at, at work there. And you've got great actors in that, by the way. I mean, that that is a well-made film. All the way around, that is a tremendous film. Mm-hmm. But with the possession of Hannah Grace, the way that it's different is this demon is very, very malicious and aggressive. And so, I mean, you've got, you've got a... Whereas, like, you know, in Jane Doe... It, it was it was serious business and uh, very dangerous and all that stuff and and definitely a a malevolent force. But in this, the the aggression and the creepiness, the animal nature of of the demon is is is, is really creepy. So it, this surprised me a lot. So I, I do feel like the films are different because you're dealing with um, kind of a different monster. And, and and Jane Doe ends up being, you know, still still a pretty a pretty good mystery. It's one of those films you can have like theories about. But with with this one, it's it's straightforward. Now I will I will warn people, and this this speaks to Slashley G on Twitter. She said, It's been three days and I'm still torn about the possession of Hannah Grace. Part of me hated it and wants to rate it a three, but the other hmm. part wants to give it an eight. Shay Mitchell's performance really sells it, and the horrific elements aren't overplayed. Uh, I don't know, y'all. And so I, I told Slashley that I would uh, address what she's saying because I know exactly what she's feeling. I ended up rating, this is an 8 out of 10 for me as well. And when this film opens, the opening scene is so is such a hack job to me. I'm like, Oh boy. I was like rolling my eyes and I was like, mm-hmm. here's another 
exorcist ripoff done like umpteenth time. You got, you know, she's possessed and in the bed and doing all these freaky things and, and like, you know, working over the priests and, you know, messing them up and stuff. And it's just, it, it's terrible. I don't like the open. And, and in as much as this film like replays those conventions that we've seen a million times, Josh, that's where it's weak for sure. But where right. it's strong, so it's like 20% that of the standard fare that we're overly familiar with. But the 80% of it is this girl who's working alone in this hospital morgue. And I think morgues are kind of creepy. And, mm-hmm. and down there they have, you know, she's by herself with all these bodies. And the Hannah Grace corpse is really troubling looking. Like like in um, Jane Doe, Autopsy of Jane Doe, uh, you know, there was a, a real beauty to her, like um, in terms of just because she was well preserved, it appeared, you know, mm-hmm. on the outside. But with this Hannah Grace, I mean, she's messed up. And she looks mm. gnarly and, and unsettling. And so just, just looking at her body is a little bit troubling. But then this girl's by herself. And you know that they're going to play with this. Like there are motion sensor activated lights. And so if she's still for very long or leaves a room, like the lights go out. So it is organically dark in this morgue area. Um Where, you know, because a lot of times in a horror film, it'll be daytime, they'll be in school, and it's still dark somehow. That always bugs me. But in this, like, it's dark for a reason, because it's nighttime. She's in the basement of this hospital, and I guess they got these motion sensor lights happening. And I encounter that a lot every day. Like, I I run into places like that. So, anyway, that works. And, anyway, this, this, this demon is very active still within this corpse and it's um it's really scary there were a few times that i was like pushing back in my theater seat and and i did i felt i felt scared about it and um i was shocked at how it affected me so still really freaky um but like i said 20 percent of it is just lame repetition but the 80 percent that is inventive it really rocks. So, I mean, this eight out of 10 for me, I say support this film, see it in theaters. Um, and it's worth your time. And Shay Mitchell gives a great performance. And I should mention the corpse, uh, Hannah Grace is played by Kirby Johnson. And, and much like in autopsy of Jane Doe, she's like nude the entire film basically. And, um, you know, I just, I, I think playing a role like that or like in dead girl, I think it would be very hard to, Mm -hmm. and uncomfortable to just be, you know, lying there naked on film for, for 90 minutes. I think that would just be 90 days. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 90 days. Yes. I can't even imagine that. But anyway, eight out of 10 for me. So Josh, are you sold? Are you going to see this? What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. You you kind of talked me into it during the course of the running time. I, I don't know. It's not like my favorite kind of situation. I know you're really into dead girls. <laughs> <laughs> but um, oh boy, I did like the autopsy of Jane Doe. That was actually when when I saw that tweet. That was the first time I was like, oh, maybe I would watch this. And so yeah, I thought. I mean, your review definitely mm-hmm. piqued my interest a bit. Yeah, Kane. I mean, Kane is right. I could see the parallels. 
But I mean, just one one evil being is far more malicious than the other evil force. So, anyways. Well, for me, the comparison would be a reason to check it out too. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, interesting. All right. You know, I I have to really quickly. I just want to say on the show, I hope our friend Dino is okay. I went back to reference his comments about the Clovage Killer that I read during that last review. And I just saw this um, tweet here. Well, it was an interaction between myself and David and Juan. And Dino had been watching The Haunting of Hill House. And he says, guys, I'm laying in bed, but keep hearing footsteps outside my bedroom door. (laughs) And that was two hours ago. And I sent him a message. Hope everything's okay. And didn't hear anything back, and that was two hours ago. So, you know, I hope you're just tucked away, you know, dreaming sweet dreams right now. And he's being punished for not liking the Clove Hitch Killer as much as I did. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. I'm totally hope kidding. You're okay, buddy. Yes, we do. All right. So, speaking of um, fr- freaky stuff, Josh, mm-hmm. this is related. Um, you know, I so all year. I heard about this like way back earlier in the year. There's mm-hmm. there was a documentary called um, "The Devil and Father M A Mort" or M Mort. Oh yeah, I did. I, I saw that on your list, and I didn't sound familiar to me. But now, when you say it's a documentary, I totally remember hearing about that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is um a documentary made by William Friedkin, and I'll, I'll tell people the setup here. Um. Yes, that's right. So, Father, <laughs> I've been putting this sucker off. Father Ga- Gabriel Amort performs, um, or used to perform exorcisms for the Vatican. He was like the, in real life, he's like the number one dude who was commissioned and assigned to do this. He's like the leader of, he was the leader of the Catholic Church Church's team of exorcists. So in, in all the world, he was considered like the expert, basically. And everybody knows William Friedkin made The Exorcist. And um, what's really cool is, long story short, Father Amort ended up liking that film and he appreciated it. And he ended up talking to William Friedkin and he said, you know, I, I like your film a lot. The, the special effects, they go a little over the top, but really in a lot of ways you did, you did capture it. And so Friedkin basically asked him if, would there be any way that I could film you, you know, performing an actual real life exorcism. And so I I guess they got permission and, and that's what happened. So, um, now because of that, so I heard an interview with William Friedkin because like, you know, this isn't my kind of thing. Like, I don't like supernatural stuff just because it's not really my cup of tea. But also, I do believe in these kinds of things as a real, real life situation, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, in my own personal belief. So, like, you know, I don't like to go there. And, and there is a there is a popular belief, which is they talk about this in the film, that if you, you know, the more you focus on this kind of thing or think about it, then the more you could be 
opened up to it and susceptible of it. Like so in the conjuring, they talk about that. You bring it home with you if you mess around with it. Right. Right. And that's why I was like, yeah, I don't know if I want to watch that. And then I heard an interview with Friedkin on the radio and they actually played an audio clip from this film. And I heard the, um, <clears throat> the possessed woman in it. <laughs> I heard her talking in that voice and I'm like, Nope. I'm out. I'm not. I'm not gonna see that movie. No way. Like I'm. Not, I'm just not. And that was months ago. <laughs> that was months ago. Because <clears throat> I'm like, I, you know, it, <laughs> I'm serious. I was just like, I don't know about this. Well, it's streaming on Netflix right now. And since I saw the possession of Hannah Grace, oh, now I know how, what I have to do after the show's over. <laughs> it's already twelve forty-five. Well, here, here's the thing. Let me just give you a little, a little sample here. And and I'm not gonna honestly. I don't. I don't think there is a way to spoil this film. Just telling you that up front. Like, there's not really a way to spoil it. It's a little over an hour. Um, basically, he goes um, with this woman and Father Amort. She's she's already tried to be exercised. Like Father Amort has met with her eight times previously. So in like May of 2016. He filmed the ninth one and they show it. They show the whole thing on camera and it's, um, it's about 17 minutes. And honestly, and I'll just tell you, this is my opinion, obviously, cause it's my review. Honestly, it was kind of boring <laughs> because, because, um, you know, he says a lot of prayers and like, kind of like holds her hand and they hold her down and she rocks back and forth. And every once in a while, she'll lash out. And she does talk in that voice. And at first, I wondered, I'm like, okay, is this, is there some kind of effect on the voice? But nobody ever addressed or mentioned anything about that. But the voice is freaky. It sounds like it's doubled up. Like there's some kind of mm. weird effect that makes it double. But I guess yeah. there is, a human being is able, my understanding, is able to do this guttural doubling sound of the voice. And, and, and so after he films this, it's like a 17 minute thing. And, and you know, at times, I, I don't know the way I'm watching, cause I'm really watching for her behavior and I'm also holding it up against what I personally believe. And I'm like, okay, is this real? Or is this lady just perhaps mentally ill? And, and what's cool is Friedkin actually faking it. Well, yeah, there's that too. She could, you know, could be faking it, but I, I believe there's there's enough earnest <laughs> there's enough earnestness in this situation mm-hmm. where I'm like, well, you know, she either be- it's either happening or she believes it's happening, and you know what's the difference? It's still a very powerful experience for her, <clears throat> and she's troubled and he's trying to help her. So he takes this this video of this and he he shows these various neurologists and these brain specialists and interviews them interviews other priests about it and gets their take on it and that's pretty fascinating and um basically they talk about how in the the dsm-5 like the big psychology bible there is um there is such a condition that's referred to as you know demonic possession where you know the people fully believe it and experience it therefore to them, it is real in their minds, you know, like it's interesting because science doesn't necessarily take an approach and saying, 
yes, there are spiritual beings that are evil, you know, but they're saying, yeah, they believe it and it's happening to them. Therefore, it is real to them. (laughs) So anyway, they discuss that theory of it and it's pretty, by the way, the the official name of it is called dissociative trance disorder. um, If you ever wanted to know that. But I'll tell you where this, I feel like this goes astray. Later, he tries to, um, okay, let me back up earlier in the film. And I promise I'm, I honestly don't feel that you can spoil this. It, they do like a satellite story where they interview a guy whose sister was possessed. And he describes this very harrowing, scary situation. Well, it's not on film. It's just the guy describing it. And you're like, that sounds really freaky. And then you see the real possession and it's really kind of underwhelming what you see on camera. And then later he supposedly tries to visit with her and he doesn't um, get to meet with her. He doesn't get this on film, but when he does catch up with her, he describes narratively, he just like narrates and, and describes all these things that happen that are comparable to what the first guy said, but we don't see any of it. And I'm like, Mm, this sounds like he's trying to figure out a way to wrap up his film and pay it off. Like it, <laughs> right. it really does. So ultimately it, this was very underwhelming for me and wasn't nearly as scary as I thought it would be. So um, I'm calling it a 5.5 out of 10. I'm, I'm going to call it a low priority rental and it's not necessary really. <laughs> so that's my thought, but what, what are you, you going to check it out or what? Yeah. <laughs> um. I don't know. The way you're talking uh, is I, making me laugh. I I well so okay so we've got a lot of good recommendations this episode. Hopefully the listeners have had a lot of good recommendations. What I'm trying to figure out now is what am I going to fit in before our top ten episode? So yes. We still have a bunch of Christmas movies to watch between now and then as well for a Christmas episode. So for me, it's like, okay, right. I'm definitely going to watch this now, especially now that's on Netflix. I'm going to check it out. I probably will want to watch it before horror cinema awards to see if it would be eligible for my real life horror Mm -hmm. nomination. Right. Agreed. Um, But I don't know that I'm going to get to it before our top 10 list. So it's not like, it's not jumping right to the top of my list right now. I I could guarantee, I could almost guarantee you this is not going to make your top 10, but I think you're right to watch it before the horror cinema awards. But yeah, this is not a priority. Okay. Yeah. 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 You can trust me on that. That's where I'm at. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, it's freaky, right? An exorcism movie documentary directed by the director of the exorcist. I mean, there's really, that's hard to pass up in my opinion. (laughs) Well, sure. Yeah. So I don't really believe in that stuff. Like, you know, I mean, we have Similar backgrounds. I guess I'm more skeptical than you are generally, but I, mm-hmm. I just think I don't know. I I don't believe in. I it's weird. Like I, on one hand, I kind of like to believe in a world of paranormal and and supernatural and and magical, just because I find that a more interesting world, generally. But I, and so it's and it's kind of like I. So like I, my initial reaction is I believe in ghosts and possessions and stuff, but really if pressed, I kind of like, no, nah, I don't. Right. I don't, I don't, same with like, that's how I am with Bigfoot. Like I wish I believed in Bigfoot, but I don't believe it. You're you like, know what I mean? You're like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's kind of how I am with all this stuff. Like I get you. Well, 
I remember, I mean, one of your, you know, and the new listeners could have to, we ought to track this down for them because it's yeah. horrifying. You told a possession, a, story. a possession story, a campfire tale, a real life thing that you witnessed that was yeah, very and, and, scary and I think to me. Even at that time, though, I was kind of like, I don't know if I believe that, but if it's possible, then that is, you know, the closest thing I've ever experienced, though. I'm like, I don't know what that was. Right. Yeah, I mean that that story was chilling to me. But when I read, but I've read a lot about like exorcisms in the last couple of years, mostly because of the looking into um, the Warrens, mm-hmm. because of my interest in the Conjuring films. Yeah, and when I when I've read about the their different cases, and then just kind of gone down the internet rabbit hole re- reading about other similar cases, I just don't know if I really buy into any of that stuff, and I don't know. And part of it was just because it's not my background. Like, I wish Dave was here for this discussion with his Catholic background because mm-hmm. I just think my background just doesn't, like, it's just easier to kind of ignore, I guess, with my background. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So, but like, but if I'm curious if you were Catholic and you were raised with that as a concept, if that really, yeah, it's under your skin. Yeah, I bet, I, I bet it might creep out, Dave, you know, if, if he watched it, but it, even so, I feel like it's a little underwhelming and it's so obvious to me, you know, that the end, the ending thing is a cop out, you know, and yeah. it's like his something just didn't work out with his scheduling. And he's like, well, I got to figure out something to do with this film. So, you know, honestly, you know, what would be my biggest determining factor with wanting to watch this movie if I found out that he did or did not make any vocal adjustments. Like yeah. if I was, if I heard someone, if I read an article that said, "Yeah, he added a vocal effect," I'd be like, "No, I'm not, I'm not getting this to this for a while." <laughs> but if he's like, "Nope, that's the raw audio we recorded on the day," I'm like, "I better check this out." <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, the, the vocal, you know, it's very creepy and upsetting because yeah. it is like what you hear in possession movies, like yeah. in The Exorcist. But, but I will say, the things that she said, I'm like, hmm. I don't believe that's what the devil would say, you know, like that was the, <laughs> lining it up against my, my own personal beliefs. And, you know, I'm like, right. yeah, I don't think he'd say that. I think he'd say, right. you know, I, I think this woman is m- making that up or something, you know, anyways, yeah. that's super funny. Huh? <laughs> like, well, I mean, Scott Derrickson, so the M- exorcism of Emily Rose and also uh, what was the movie he made? Oh, deliver us from evil. Those were based on the real case files of a New York police detective who was investigating exorcisms and all this stuff. Yeah. And so I've kind of like seen something along these lines before, at least, you know? Right. Right. But it is interesting though, to see this woman who just seems like a, a nice, regular, typical person. And then, yeah. and then you see her erupt into this and it's, it's pretty interesting. So, but Anyways, it's to me it speaks more to some sort of mental disorder, but yeah, okay. Well, it certainly captures the imagination, doesn't it? Well, yes, it does. Yes, it does. So, yeah, listeners, if you've seen um, the Devil and Father Amort, uh, let us know what you think about it. Um, Josh, here's here's one real quick. Just we got a, just a couple more, and we, <laughs> and then we have like a couple things to promote. Oh my goodness. Here we go. Coming up on four hours of recording. I don't know where we at. We are at in terms of finished podcast. <laughs> I, I know it's it's uh, exhausting. Um, so there's a film called. It's a 2018 film called 
the heretics. Mm-hmm. And um, in, in case anybody's curious, I, I looked up heretic, and it's um, anyone who does not conform to an established doctrine or principle, a professed believer who maintains religious opinions contrary to those accepted by that person's church. You know. Anyways, I, I just thought I'd put that out there because I'm like, well, why did they name this the heretics? So this is um, written and directed by Chad Archibald, mm-hmm. also co-written by Jamie LaForest. And basically it's about this girl who had been um, kidnapped um, five years previously by a cult. There was a cult that had kidnapped her and um, basically did some sort of a, a sacrifice. I won't describe it here because it's a, a little shocking and I don't want to spoil it, but Anyway, she gets away and survives that experience, but she's severely tra- traumatized in so much that five years later, she's, you know, still, you know, meeting in therapy sessions. She's got group sessions and stuff, and she's very uh, PSTD about this. So, um, but but obviously, PTSD, PTSD yes, thank yeah. <laughs> post-traumatic stress disorder. And, and so... I'm just trying to think of how to describe this film. The first 40 minutes, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is incredible. And this is not a spoiler because I'll just tell you right up front. She gets abducted again by the same cult. Well, she has a she has a, a love interest. Her Her sweetheart, her lover is this girl who is also in a group. So remember earlier you're talking about the film that had the, mm. the married ladies. Well, well, here you have another uh, lesbian couple, and I think it's interesting to see it in film like this because we're seeing more and more of that. Um, but they, they're they really in love, and they, they care about each other. And because of their experience, her 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 girlfriend, who whose name in the film is Joan, she is kind of a fighter because she was, like, abused or whatever. And so she doesn't want to be a victim anymore. And so when her, our protagonist, Gloria is her name, when she gets taken, Joan kind of goes off the deep end and gets super hyper aggressive. And it's so interesting because you have, (laughs) you have the girl getting kidnapped again and she's dealing with that situation. And then you have the other girl who starts to like, um, break the law and get really intense with people in order to search for her her girlfriend and i was very intrigued i'm like oh i'm loving where this is going because you almost have two horror stories and one running concurrently and that happens for about the first 40 minutes in the first 40 minutes i'm like oh this is this right here's a top 10 contender i can feel it uh because yeah the uh but what what happens and this is still in the premise is the girl who is abducted starts to undergo this transformation. She's she's very ill and sick, and something weird starts happening to her. Mm. Do you remember that film, Contracted? Is that mm-hmm. what? It, yeah, yeah. It, it, it it's not quite like that, but it it reminds me a little bit of um Contracted, the the first one. Yeah, because she's she's kidnapped and like she's really sick all of a sudden, and weird things are happening to her. Well. You know, the film, long story short, it takes a different turn. It, it goes in a, a direction that that I did not love, and I was a little disappointed because I was hoping it was going to continue along the lines of what I thought it was, but 
this is a um a pretty cool little film though i mean i i i liked it it's it's a decent it's one of those if you ever rented it like from from redbox back in the day i mean it is a cult movie so that's kind of cool um it has like a supernatural aspect to it. It has a body horror element to it. And if it, and it, in a, it ends like a horror film, you know, it, it's, it's pretty hardcore and in, in terms of tone and so forth, it's dark. And I like all that, but it's just, it's a, it's a little bit disappointing. I think it's definitely worth people's time. I don't think it's going to be in people's top 10, but I can see it being, you know, a potential a potential honorable mention like somewhere around number 14 or 15 maybe mm-hmm. so if if people get to it it's called the heretics i give it a uh, 6.5 out of 10 and i call it a rental yeah it's it's one of those movies if i had gotten this from redbox and watched it i'd be very pleased you know right so what do you think of that one like a cult movie so mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah it's interesting and I, I I love I love when movies you know where things aren't quite as they seem and I think that's really neat and that I does. I will say the one movie I've been waiting to hear your review on the most is the next one you're going to talk about. Oh yeah. And as I read the description, it sounds like you are probably going to hate it. <laughs> so I'm so curious where this is going. <laughs> oh okay yeah so this movie is called Possum, which is. You know, not spelled quite correctly. Uh, <laughs> I always like to tell people that. Um, but no, this is this is a neat film. This is written and directed by Matthew Holness. And if you look at the poster, they show like this old bed. And then there's like this bag, this duffel bag or satchel or something. And it looks like it's got a giant spider coming out of it. Mm-hmm. And and I was, I was seeing some good buzz on this. And I'm like, well, you know, I think... I think I need to check out Possum and see what this is all about. And so <laughs> I actually like this movie. I, I do feel like it has, um, you know, kind of a slight nature to it um, until the last 10 minutes. The last 10 minutes are really hardcore, but most of it is a slow burn drama I mean, almost the entire thing feels slow burn and drama. But here's here's why this is valuable, and I just want you to know. First of all, it, it stars um, Sean Harris, and people will recognize him as Solomon Lane in the Mission Impossible movies. Okay, and he's a really good actor. Do you remember him? No. Okay, you'll know him immediately as you see him. He's okay. a he's a great actor, so he brings a lot of weight to the role, okay. and and he's this like kind of weird dude. He's kind of backward and and he behaves bizarrely and he carries around this bag and you don't quite get a glimpse of this thing, but it's, it's essentially, yeah, yeah, it's essentially like a, Dino will recognize him. Just saying. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Dino's obsessed with mission impossible fallout. Oh yeah. (laughs) It's so good. I'll need him in here in front of everyone. Yeah. Oh, that's a great film. And it just came, it just came out on um, Blu-ray. This past, this past week. Anyway, um, yeah, so he's in that film too. Solomon Lane, okay. But in this, like, you know, he brings his acting chops to this film, and it was a great casting choice because he does seem like a weirdo. And he's carrying this um bag around that has this 
this a puppet basically and and if if at our horror cinema awards if we had a creepiest prop of the year <laughs> award or a creepiest doll of the year award mm-hmm. it would be this puppet here um and see i part of me wants to describe i did describe it over on movie podcast weekly but part of me thinks well maybe i should just have you guys see for yourselves because i run the risk of describing it to you and think you thinking that sounds stupid actually but it's not stupid it's really troubling but anyway he carries this thing around with him and and what's going on simultaneously in this dark dingy community is there's this little boy who has gone missing and so you're like uh oh and this dude is trying to shake this puppet he keeps trying to discard it or destroy it or get rid of it and it keeps showing up in his life and he keeps having these like um (laughs) dreams and nightmares and stuff and so it feels like kind of arty and it's very imaginative and you're like where is this going and and honestly that's about all i can say about it because he's just he where where it ends up going is extremely extremely surprising like to me at least and I was really disturbed by it and when it was over I thought about it for a while because the performance that happens in the end is just it's it's like they turn it up to 11 and um it's strong stuff but I will say for horror fans though I mean it takes you know it takes the whole movie I mean it's an hour and 25 minutes and it's the last minute you know, the last, I mean, there are some jump scares along the way and there's one like really bad jump scare. That's like made me like jump out of my chair. So it is, it does have some scariness, but man, the last 10 profoundly sad and disturbing, but I give it a five out of 10 and I call it a rental. You know, as I'm reviewing this, that seems pretty low. I feel like I should it should have been higher than a five. I'm going to change that because as I reflect on it, Josh, I like it. So I'm, I'm going to give it a six out of ten and call it a rental. Sounds more like you liked it then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a, yeah, five's a little low, but um, that's called Possum, and you can check that out. All right, finally, Josh, let's, let's start to bring it home with the things that we promised four hours ago. All right. And number one. We have begun. It it is underway with this episode. You know, we're we're preparing for our top ten horror movies of 2018. And uh, I, I recently posted a blog post. If you'd like to participate in our show, basically, this is what we do. Each of us brings our top ten horror movies of the year to the table. And yeah. we don't, and we don't tell each other, you know, what we've picked or anything. So it's kind of su- surprise. And we have honorable mentions and and a number of different lists that we do. And over the years, we have invited the listeners to send in their picks as well. And I know it's obnoxious how many rules I have. I have this blog post that explains how I need you to submit your list if you would like to participate. But it 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 has taken me in the past we've gotten more and more submissions and in order to like organize and catalog all that data and like add it up and do all the numbers and blah 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 i mean it has taken like 
probably 60 hours. Like last year, it probably took me 60 hours. I'm not joking. <laughs> Josh, I know you think I'm joking, but I'm not joking. And I'm not crying about it either. I'm just saying. I believe you. It's, yeah, it's yeah. sad and awful. No. <laughs> but, but it's so worth it because I, I freaking love this episode. And I love getting the listeners collective top 10 list. I mean, that's very valuable. Well, I figured out a way that's going to reduce this time significantly. Like it'll probably only take me like an hour or two if people follow the direction. So I know people are you know, saying, geez, like this is a lot of stuff, but here's what you get for your trouble. Potentially, if people send in a list, then they will be entered into a drawing for a $50 Amazon gift card. I've already bought the gift card. And so if you get chosen as one of the people who submitted your top 10 list, then you get a gift card. So that's not a bad deal, right, Josh? I mean, not at all. And you all know you're going to make your top 10 list anyway. So just read through my blog post and, you know, send it in. We would love that. And tonight's episode was kind of designed to help you with the movies that you're going to see. I, I made a list from the, from us talking tonight, didn't you, Josh? I, I absolutely did. Yeah, I've, there's now a couple, at least two more I'm going to make sure I see before I make my top 10. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You got, you got to know that werewolf one is number one, though. Oh, yeah. Good manners. <laughs> yes, yes. All right. And then the next thing we we're going to, we promised to talk about is I wanted to report back on the scary scarecrow. I mentioned doing this challenge where I want to watch like a, a scarecrow movie a week, basically, and watch all the scary scarecrow movies. Invited people to join me with that. And that is if and only if people wanted to hear a part two of that episode and to hear what are the best scary scarecrow movies. And Josh, it sounds like, you know, from the buzz that we got on Twitter that, you know, people are up for it and they want it. So I am going to do that. So what I'm going to do. Yeah, you definitely got more. I wouldn't say it was overwhelming. Right. You definitely got more support than detract. <laughs> more supporters than detractors. Okay. Well, that's, yeah, that's funny. So what I'm going to do, I, I decided to make this like a, like a, either a blog post or a page. I'll have it up by the time this episode releases and it'll be in the show notes so you can find it easily. We'll, we'll make it so you can find it. Don't worry. But we're going to have the list of films. And then if you discover a scary scarecrow movie, you know, make sure you email me or tweet us about it and we'll add it to the list. And basically my goal, Josh, this is my goal right before, like, so right at the end of September, right? Mm -hmm. uh, right before October's madness starts, I'd like to do the Scary Scarecrow Part 2 and, and go over the list and stuff. How's that sound? Sounds hilarious. Okay. <laughs> All right. Did you I say the... Wanted, yeah, there are just some funny reactions here. Well, so Jake Parker, so shout out to Jake Parker. He helped you out, immediately set up a, uh, a Twitter poll to see if he could <laughs> get some feedback here. Thank you, Jake. Jake says, here's a poll for everyone interested in the 40 Scarecrow film challenge. <laughs> and uh, the options were all in or hell no. <laughs> and this is just on Jake's Twitter feed, his own private feed. Mm -hmm. He had 44 votes on his feed for this podcast. Wow. 44 votes. There are 59% all in, 41% hell no. <laughs> But so, that doesn't count his 45th vote because he says, obviously, I am all in, but it doesn't let me vote. But consider this my vote. Right. Well, and for those people, so I am sensitive to the people who say hell no. Obviously, 
you would not if you don't want to listen to the episode you don't have to and i would totally understand you won't hurt my feelings but but we're gonna do this for real like i'm we're gonna watch it and i noticed that i believe it was jody of course who else would it be jody horror guy they're actually taking some like serious stats on the movies too like they're oh, he's already yeah created a full spreadsheet with all the films <laughs> now jody i noticed him and some of the great interactions with other listeners say he was not counting films with just brief appearances of scarecrow like figures like we we discussed a lot of films like trick or treat or um you know friday the 13th part 2 jody is only counting actual scarecrow movies where the scarecrow is the point of the movie mm-hmm. i got to say i am not participating in this scarecrow challenge <laughs> Just to but be clear. I, yeah, but what I am going to do is I'm going to watch some of the better ones that I hear about along the way. I already have a couple that I wanted to check out. Okay. And also listeners have pointed out a few that we missed, which I'm shocked. Annabelle Creation has that great scarecrow scene in the barn. Oh, yeah. Several people point that out to us. I don't know how we forgot about that. <laughs> That's right. Fantastic. It's one of the best scenes in that movie. Mm-hmm. It um, is. And then apparently the television series Supernatural, which I haven't really watched, has a really great Scarecrow episode. So something I'm going to be checking out. My list for that episode is going to be the top 10 appearances of a Scarecrow in a movie, regardless if the movie is good or not. Right. So I'm just going to be talking about my favorite Scarecrow appearances. And again, I'm not going to have seen all 40. Right. <laughs> but, but I'll have a pretty good smatter. And mine will include the television series with just maybe a, you know, a brief appearance or whatever. Not just a nice. Oh, I love keep it. it. Keep it fresh. Now, Frank the Fiend had my favorite series of tweets about the Scarecrow horror. <laughs> okay. So many hilarious tweets. He says, uh, oh, yeah. So he he tweeted in to let us know that we forgot Annabelle. You know, and I mentioned, oh, that's a that's a glaring omission on our part and a huge mm-hmm. mistake. Um, he says, please don't read this tweet as supportive of a second installment of Scarecrow. <laughs> <laughs> this thing came to my mind during the discussion because I rewatched the movie recently. I figured it wasn't mentioned because it's short and not a major theme of the film. So he just wanted to be clear. <laughs> he wasn't supporting the idea of a second scarecrow episode he's like i cannot condone said, this yeah hmm. now my favorite thing that frank said though is he sent this this amazing <laughs> dialogue between jay and himself <laughs> so it, it says jay how can i start an organic conversation where i sneak in my conspiracy theories about munchkin suicides in the wizard of oz pause for epiphany jay Straw-headed horror <laughs> tries to discuss Munchkin theories during the show. The little result, Jay, part two. <laughs> oh, that's super funny. You know, in in my defense, Frank, I will say I was very restrained about not talking about that because I was telling a, an HMP listener. His name is Mac. Um, he's he's a friend of mine. He's like he's obsessed with that whole Munchkin thing too. And he said, I'm surprised you didn't go nuts on that. I'm like, well, our shows are already four hours long. And so I wasn't going to spend an hour talking about that. (laughs) But but yeah, I'm with you. That's hilarious. Well, thank you. all. And to speak to Jody real quick. So, Jody, I like what you're doing. And my list, my top 10 list is going to be strictly the films that are scarecrow centric. However, I am going to watch them all so I can at least comment on the appearances and it sounds like some some of what Josh is doing with his particular list, right? So I am I am going to watch them all as we've said, but 
I'm just saying. Yeah, my my uh, when I end up building a top 10 list, hopefully there are 10, right? Well, I guess it's the top 10 of the ones that exist, right? So yeah. those are going to be the ones that are strictly Scarecrow. I, mean, I think you should try out some of these television series because the feedback we're getting is that those series are some of the better entries mm. in the genre. Yeah. Okay, well. I don't know. Let's I mean, see, see what we can do. Let's yeah. see, see how this... Year goes. Yeah, you're feeling in 40 weeks from now. Yeah, we'll see. So 2019 is going to be fun, right? You know, anyways, speaking of doing, dude, what are you thinking? I know I make terrible life decisions, but speaking of um, fun, Josh, we've already talked about my favorite episode, which is the top 10 show. Let's talk about yours, which is coming up next in just two weeks. Yeah, I'm super excited. First of all, I've been wanting to cover all the creatures we're stirring from Rebecca McKendry since the day I heard about it. Mm-hmm. And it just so perfectly worked out that not only is Shudder going to be sponsoring that episode, but the, the movie is on Shudder. So it just is the perfect culmination of events. Rebecca, for those of you who don't know, um, was a former editor at Fangoria and she then worked for Blumhouse.com and is on the Shockwaves podcast that Blumhouse puts out. She's really cool, and she's going to be on this show. We're going to do an interview with her for that episode and talk about her movie, All the Creatures Were Stirring, which is an anthology Christmas horror film. Also, by that time in theaters, there will be Anna and the Apocalypse, which is a highly buzzed about zombie musical. Um, It's been just blowing up at the film festival circuit, and it's getting a wide release in theaters so i'm excited about that one but those are the two feature reviews but there's a lot more to come we'll have two special guests i think it's going to be a lot of fun yeah and that that's coming up next so we hope you uh tune into that that's um what, what are we releasing now on december 21st which again is a very joe bob Christmas. the 23rd yeah yeah it may be the 23rd if we're being honest but <laughs> <laughs> but but anyways you know we're good for it so that'll be great I'm really excited about it. All right. And through the magic of editing at this point in episode 163 of Horror Movie Podcast, we have Dr. Shock back with us once again, and he's going to tell us about his exciting giveaway. Tell it, Dave. Okay. Just sort of came up with this idea. As you all know, once the challenge was over, the 2500 movie challenge was over, I had made good on a promise to my wife that I was going to get my collection you know, under control, my uh, DVD, Blu-ray, which had been out of control for many years under control. <laughs> Uh, which meant reorganizing and selling off a good portion of it, um, which, you know, some people would come out and bought some. And once I got started and the smoke settled, I had transitioned most of my collection from the cases into the CD wallets and leather-bound carrying cases, um, you know, the ones where, with, where you just have the disc. Mm-hmm. Uh, I realized um, when I did that, there was one thing I didn't need, but I couldn't actually sell. And that is DVDs that were released along with the Blu-rays. I'm sure a lot of you have experienced it as well. You buy a Blu-ray and it comes with a DVD copy. Well, you know, in the original case, uh, you know, sitting on a shelf, that's fine. It doesn't take up any more room. But when you have this with my new way of doing things with these CD wallets and everything, it means a DVD copy that I didn't really need was taking up an additional slot and you know, selling them was a problem because I no longer had a case for them, uh, only the disc itself. So what I've decided to to use 
uh, these additional DVDs as part of a special giveaway on HMP. It's going to stretch over the next three episodes. Um, see, now, in addition to having all these extra DVDs for some pretty terrific movies, actually, I have three of these storage cases, these little these wallets that they're smaller and they just don't fit in with my new way of cataloging. So I bought these things over the years and they don't hold a, a, as many discs. Uh, so they just don't work. I can't really use them with my new way of doing things. Mm -hmm. So as part of this giveaway, listeners are going to have a chance to win a good number of these DVDs all at one time. Nice. which i'll then load into these cases and then ship off to you now i might have this is going to have to just be u.s only because i'm covering the shipping um and i hate to do that i hate to make it u.s only but it's a difference between like seven dollars and it's in some cases seven hundred forty dollars <laughs> yeah and it's i just can't expensive. i'm going to cover the shipping and i can't cover the international it's just a little too much right now for me mm -hmm. um well, just to give you an idea of the sort of movies I'm talking about here, uh, I have modern horror, you know, some of the modern horror films like I Am Not a Serial Killer, Autopsy of Jane Doe, The Visit, The Shape of Water, Better Watch Out, Chris Peckover's, you know, holiday movie. Um, some 2018 horror, as a matter of fact, Unsane, Mom and Dad, Hereditary, which will probably get some love at the year end, Marrowbone, A Quiet Place, which will probably get some love at year end. Um, oh, and surprisingly enough, Terrifier. The brand new Art the Clown movie. I got the Blu-ray for that, and they sent it along with a DVD copy. I'm like, hey, that's great, but I don't need the DVD copy, and I don't have room for it. Nice. Um, so that's part of it as well. Um, and also, surprisingly, Scream Factory. A lot of the Scream Factory releases over the last few years have come with a DVD copy. Ginger Snaps, Motel Hell, Sleepaway Camp, Terror Train, From Beyond, Night of the Comets. Uh, the director's cut of Nightbreed, you know, the one that people have been sort of waiting for for the last couple decades. Uh, even some newer films that Scream Factory helped with, like the Poughkeepsie Tapes and Anti-Birth, have a DVD copy that I no longer need. Oh, wow. Um, and that's with all of the Scream Factory bells and whistles. Um, and another one that uh, a company that has a lot of bells and whistles that release a DVD copy is Arrow. Um, movies like Wolf Guy, Microwave Massacre, that 80s low-budget or a comedy with Jackie Vernon, the vo voice of Frosty the Snowman. Um, I just can't tell you. I think I mentioned it before. It's just so weird watching a killer who talks like, or watching a guy kill women who, talking like Frosty He's the like, Snowman. Happy birthday. Exactly. It sounds exactly <laughs> like him. Um, the Mutilator, which was just discussed in a previous episode. Uh, Mark of the Devil, which we discussed here previously as well from that 1970s sort of Euro sleaze uh, exploitation film uh, as well. Now there's non-horror also. Movies like I, Tanya, The Hateful Eight, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, Mad Max Fury Road, Deadpool, um, for even from 2018, Isle of Dogs, Ready Player One. Uh, and some Disney titles as well. Uh, everything from the classics like Sleeping Beauty and Mary Poppins to newer movies like Coco and Inside Out. Um, hmm. Now, again, this is just to reiterate, this is DVD only. It's not Blu-ray and it is disc only. No original case. You know, it doesn't come in the uh, the original uh, uh, disc case. But to be honest, it's the DVD that you're buying anyway. So uh, it's going to be the movie itself. And that's what you're going to have a chance to win here. Uh, and they'll each one arrive in a carrying case, which means you'll be winning a good number of them at one time. And that said, the cases are all different in sizes. Um, so I was trying to think of the fairest way to do this. And here's what I came up with. The first winner, which I'll announce on the next episode, uh, which is episode is it 164. 
or the Christmas episode mm-hmm. is going to win the smallest case, which still holds 20 DVDs. Wow. <laughs> but they will have first crack at the list. They'll see what's available first. They'll be able to pick whatever 20 movies they want. You know, they get the first crack at it. Next winner, which we'll announce in the next episode, which I think is the top 10 show, will get a few more DVDs, 28 of them to be exact. Mm-hmm. But now some movies will already be gone. But just to give you, you know, an idea, I rattled off 36 titles, you know, a few moments ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if the first winner takes nothing but those at least though all 20 that i mentioned that still leaves you with an additional 16 so you're still going to have some pretty darn good movies available at that point okay the last winner which will be announced i think that might be the hmp awards at that point um which is the show after the top 10 uh or whatever the show is after the top 10 Mm -hmm. 166 uh, yeah 166 is going to win the biggest case which holds 48 dvds that's the biggest one i got the list will already have been picked over, but you still get a chance to win 48 movies. And to be honest, by the time the list is all said and done, it's going to be over 300 of them. To choose from. <laughs> will that have Jan Gell in it? <laughs> no, I didn't get that, that because I didn't buy a Blu-ray of that. I only got a DVD of that one. Okay, just wondered. Um, <clears throat> no, no, no Jan Gell. Um, so how do you enter? It's easy. We, we just want you to tell us what has been your favorite HMP episode to date. Uh, if you're a new listener, mm. no problem. Just pick one, you know, pick whatever one you've you've heard uh, recently. No need to go back into the archives, though we'd love it if you did eventually do that. You don't have to do it for this. Um, and there are four ways you can get this info to us. You can post a comment on the site under this episode saying which has been your favorite thus far. You can post on Twitter, making sure to tag both HMP and myself at DVD Infatuation, all one word. Shoot us an email and uh, maybe I'll read it uh, during the show or leave us a voicemail. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, you only need to enter once to be eligible for all three giveaways. And uh, The only thing you'll have to provide me with is an email address so I can send you this list so you could look it over and pick which titles you want, uh, as well as your mailing address when I, when I send it off. Again, no money is going to exchange hands here. This is The DVDs are a prize, and I'll cover the shipping. Um, and like I said, unfortunately, it's only going to have to be U.S. only just for that reason um because it just gets a little too expensive to ship overseas Uh, so that's it that's it and um you know good luck to everyone and they get extra um chances to win right if they pick pig-headed horror as their favorite is that right i didn't even i didn't even think about that (laughs) that is the only disqualifying episode (laughs) no no i think they should get some kind of bonus for picking that one i think you should be fined every time you bring it up on the show from now on (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh dave that is so nice of you thanks for doing that for the that is incredible listeners. dave a treasure chest of 48 dvds seriously yeah. no unbelievable no problem they're all yeah. gonna be good titles too because those are all the newer bigger titles that come out you know with a dvd included it's not mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the jangels of the world that have a <laughs> bonus dvd Exactly. And it's good. Some good companies that have been doing this. I mean, along with the with the, you know, the the majors, um, like I said, Scream Factory and Arrow and uh, and I didn't even list off all of the Scream Factory or Arrow titles that are available or, or all of the newer titles. As a matter of fact, we've discussed a couple movies here tonight that are going to uh, have uh, DVD copies as part of this whole thing, too. I won't get into exactly which ones those are, but you'll see it if you win and you see them on the list. Really cool, Dave. And it's helping me. I'll get rid of these things finally. <laughs> <laughs> this is a truly epic giveaway. 
<laughs> All right. Well, there you have it, everybody. So uh, stick around. We hope you keep listening at least for the next few episodes so you can be a part of this magic. But anyways, I think that just about wraps up episode 163 of Horror Movie Podcast. We thank you for listening and for sticking with us this entire time. Uh, we just want to also thank our uh, patrons, those who support Movie Podcast Network. We're so grateful to you and we're thankful for Shudder. And remember, you can try Shudder free for 30 days. Just go to Shudder.com, S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com slash podcast and use the promo code HMP. Okay, Dave, will you let the listeners know where they can catch up with more of your work on the internet? Absolutely. You can find me uh, on, at DVDinfatuation.com uh, um, where, as I mentioned uh, earlier, the will is now going to have 2,501 reviews. <laughs> um, and you can see at Twitter, at DVDinfatuation. Um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram as well. I just did a new Instagram account, actually, because I couldn't get into the old one because I hadn't accessed it for so long. Uh, but some of you have found me there already. Uh, and other podcasts. We're going to be starting up pretty soon again, the uh, Universal Monsters cast. Uh, we're going to be, uh, you know, the um, eventually we're going to come out with another We Deal in Lead, I'm sure, the Westerns podcast. And, uh, of course, uh, Land of the Creeps with Greg Amortis, Haddonfield Hatchet, Jesse Robbins, uh, occasionally Justin Beam. Uh, come on over there and listen as well, which is landofthecreeps.blogspot.com. All right. Well, Wolfman Josh, what about you? Where can listeners catch up with you on the internet? You can find me on social media at Icarus Arts, which is the short name of my production company. Um, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Letterboxd. Look me up. We can connect. It will be glorious. We'll have so many fantastic digital times together. It'll be <laughs> just like the movie Cam. The <laughs> <laughs> Cam, yes. <laughs> Um, but don't lock me out of my account. That would be a big bummer. Well, that's right. Like like on Movie Streamcast and, you know. Like, right? <laughs> like the current horror movie podcast Instagram account. <laughs> Here's an idea. It's not too late as of right now to order a horror movie podcast t-shirt from teespring.com. You can go to our Teespring page and get a horror movie podcast t-shirt. They're super cool. And there are three different listener designs there. And I think we're adding the official old school logo yes. as, an, as an option as well. So if you check that out, it's teespring.com <laughs> slash stores slash horror movie cast. And you can just go directly to that link through our website at horrormoviepodcast.com. And when yeah. we, we say the old school logo, we don't mean the initial Picasso oh, yeah. logo that I did, right? Not the original, original one. Right. But yeah, the the one that is currently, mm-hmm. uh, that you released as the black t-shirt, I guess. Yes, and, uh, that's When correct. you did your first run of Horror Movie Podcast t-shirt. That's right. That's right. We're going to get that one up there. And then I'm expecting a special surprise from Peter Strain as well. So hopefully that will be up soon. That is not a t-shirt, but um, it will be on that store. So a lot of fun stuff. You can get yourself a mug, a hoodie, whatever whatever your little heart desires. And again, I think if you order now, you can get it still in time for Christmas. Right. And this is what I have for a plug. Just one plug, everybody. Over at Movie Podcast Weekly, we are also doing a top 10 movies of 2018 list. But of course, it's for all genres. And so if you want to learn how to enter that contest, which also makes you eligible for a $50 Amazon gift card, mm. 
then that is moviepodcastweekly.com forward slash bmody and that stands for best movie of the year b-m-o-t-y and you can see the rules there we hope you'll join us because that that show is going to be pretty epic we love your comments so we hope you get involved in the horror movie podcast community you can leave a comment in the show notes for episode 163 at horrormoviepodcast.com or you could email us at horrormoviepodcast at gmail.com we also have a voicemail that's 801-382-8789 and we're pretty active on twitter uh thanks to josh mostly <laughs> i tweet sometimes at horror movie cast you can find all of our episodes, including the weekly horror movie podcast and Horror Metropolis, at our website, horrormoviepodcast.com. We hope you'll subscribe in iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Uh, it's free, and if you leave us a review, we greatly appreciate that if you haven't already. And we want to thank Fred Ingram for the use of his music for our podcast theme song. You can find Fred's music at frederickingram.com. We also want to thank Kagan Breitenbach for his classical orchestration of Fred's original theme. You can find more of Kagan's work at kaganbreitenbach.com. They'll be linked in the show notes. And I think that's it for episode 163. We thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us again Friday after next for Christmas Horror 2018 on Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies.